Hi, do you want to go to a party with me? No, the game's on. Oh, I almost forgot. I'll be right there. We like sports and we don't care who knows. From shooting hoops to the Super Bowl. We like sports and we don't care who knows. Football, football, football. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Next Level Nerd Sports Podcast. I am Frank Conti. Along by my side is my good friend Bronson Allman. Bronson, say hello to the listeners. Hello to all you listeners out there. (laughs) Bronson and I have been doing the Sports Podcast for a couple of months now. I believe this is episode six. Um, Next Level Nerd Sportscast is what we call ourselves. We are a division of Next Level Nerd. Um, You may know the guys Justin and Nico. If you've had a chance to check out their podcasts on movies, video games, uh, comic books, all that kind of nerding out kind of stuff. Thanks. Thanks to those guys for getting us started. They are our platform where we are posted online through Facebook, um, through um, Spotify, and our all of our other streaming apps. So thanks to Justin giving him yeah. a shout out. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, big thanks to them. I uh, I myself am a avid consumer of their their movie podcast and some of the stuff they do as well. But uh, I like their I like the when they uh, they cover a movie. Usually, it's a movie that I really love. So. Uh, this is also my chance to campaign, Frank, to be on, one, on a future episode. Absolutely, uh, <laughs> absolutely. We need to get those guys on here too. I was just thinking absolutely. about having Justin. I, I know that Justin and I think Nico a little bit more uh, follow sports. He's connected with me on Facebook, and we've been chatting in the comments, so that's been great. Um, we are on Facebook. Look us up, Next Level Nerd. Um, our page is always posted through there, Next Level Nerd umbrella. Um, and Bronson recently created a Twitter page at NLN Sportscast. So we are we have a presence on Twitter. And if you want to email us uh, topics or your thoughts or questions, or you want to debate us, um, we're open to that. Or if you want to suggest a topic, nextlevelnerdsportscast at gmail.com. So Bronson, I just want to get right into it. We do need to talk, of course, about the pandemic is still going on, the quarantine, the self-isolation. Are you sure? Is it really going on? (laughs) I didn't uh, notice. (laughs) It's it's been rough for, for folks like us that just you know, live and die and eat, breathe and sleep sports. Um, I'm surprised that we even have topics to talk about to have a podcast. Luckily, I know they've been a little bit fewer and far between than we would like, but um, not much out there going on in the sports world. Um, Before we get into sports, I just got to take the time to thank everyone out there on the front lines, the nurses, the doctors, everybody that's uh, administering the testing um, and, and just send our thoughts out there for everybody that's struggling financially with this that have been laid off furloughed lost their jobs because the economy shut down um we hope that we can just bring an outlet for you to forget about your uh what's going on in the world for an hour or two and uh just talk about some sports so that's our goal here we try to be positive and uplifting that's the next level nerd way i know that's the mission statement or the vision statement for uh for justin and everybody over at next level nerd so we're going to try to be positive and just talk about the effect on the sports world and what's coming up a little preview of the show what's going to be opening up when uh when might we see some live sports again and our main topic tonight is going to be the nfl draft um it was some live sports finally a couple of weeks ago and bronson and i are going to give give our takes on how the steelers did because bronson and i are big pittsburgh fans we hail from elwood city pa uh north of the city of pittsburgh so we're going to talk about the steelers if you're tuning in from somewhere else um if you 
tune out during that period. We don't blame you, but we will go over the other 31 teams and uh, how we kind of grade them and uh, how we graded the NFL draft. So lots of other topics we're going to discuss, but um, with all that being said, uh, Bronson, I think we should get into it. Um, I'll start by asking you, um, what have you been doing to pass the time? What, what's your life been like uh, these last couple of weeks since our last episode with the the pandemic and your sports watching and just in general, what's, what's new with you? Um, yeah. I mean, it's been, I want to, I don't want to say status quo, but it has been, I mean, I use this time too to not only watch sports, but catch up on some movies I've been behind. Um, I've made it. I think anyone who follows me on Facebook or any, any kind of social media knows that I'm just as much of a film, uh, aficionado as I am sports. I've been trying to catch up on some movies. Um, obviously with, May the 4th being two days ago, I'm an avid Star Wars fan, so I watched Star Wars that entire day. I've been but, um, doing it, too. I'm, I'm halfway through Empire Strikes Back, so we're, we're getting into it. We're binge-watching it. We're going to get through all nine or however there are. Yeah, there's nine, <laughs> there's nine in the Skywalker saga. There's a couple uh, uh, side, uh, side movies there. But, um, yeah, just doing that. Um, my, um, my friend um, uh, Justin and Alan Reiner and – Matt Lather, I'm giving them a shout out. They actually listened to this show, so nice. they came up with an idea as well as a few other of our group of friends. We did a, uh, I went on a Zoom for the first time, and we did like a little Zoom thing where we we uh, just sat around and, and BS'd and you know kicked back a few pints and and just had had a good time. It was cool to do that. I haven't had a chance to really hang out with a lot of my friends as much. I'm sure Frankie feel the same way. So it was cool to kind of get the Zoom thing going. And uh, I hope we get a chance to do that soon with them again. Um, yeah, just been watching a lot of the the, the the old sporting events that's been on NHL Network, NBC Sports. Um, uh, everyone knows I've been a, an avid I'm a re- avid wrestling fan. Uh, I gotta be honest, ever since WrestleMania ended, Frank, I've been very sparingly watching uh, current wrestling. I'm just not into the I'm not into the no crowd. I feel like the crowd is an aspect and and producing wrestling and it just isn't the same it's it's it maybe like when they did the baseball game with no crowd that's something they can and like i'm sure we're going to talk about the uh the baseball that has been on uh, broadcast in the last couple of days on espn the no crowd doesn't bother me in that aspect but in terms of wrestling it just it just doesn't seem that it's there not to mention the fact that uh as a consumer of the product, I'm not exactly too uh, thrilled with what the storyline's been on TV. So, for all you WWE fans listening, I've kind of kind of slacked back a little bit on it. But I'm sure as everything lifts in the pandemic, uh, hopefully things get better. Uh, I will get back into it. Um, uh, just like I said, just been watching older, watching older uh, games. Um, been I'm, I'm an avid gamer, so I've been on Xbox playing a little bit, trying to play some games I haven't been playing. Um, Obviously, iRacing uh, on uh, the NAS- through NASCAR World of Outlaws. That's been on uh, uh, FS1 Fox and um, a little bit on the CBS Sports Network. I'll get more on that as when we wrap up the show. Um, but yeah, Frank, I mean, really nothing really changed too much. I'm trying to get out a little bit more when I can, like go outside for a little bit, because even as an introvert like me, even being inside that much, uh, it'll it'll kill you a little bit. So even just getting out and grab a, you know, grab a few breaths of air, you know, then I get a chance to do like get takeout from a local re- restaurant. Maybe uh, I'll spend like five minutes driving through a backcountry side road just to get that air going and, and just just remember what the outside feels like. So um that's about it on my end. What about you, Frankie? What do you what have you been doing since this whole thing? Well, a lot of the same, Bronson. You and I, like you, we're a lot alike. You know, I'm not uh, too 
bothered by the fact that we have to stay inside because I'm kind of an introvert myself. But uh, it's starting to get to that point where I want to get back to some sense of normalcy. Uh, I My company did announce that on a voluntary basis, we're able to come back into the office next week. So I'm going to be working two days from the office. So um, we do have to wear a mask there and social distance and uh, be cognizant of what you know services we touch and, and things like that. But uh, two days a week, I'll be getting kind of back to a sense of normal where I can drive a car, go into a workplace, um, have my desk at work, um, but still three days a week at home like we've been doing. So it's kind of a good transition. So I'm actually kind of looking forward to that, seeing some people, um, even if it is six feet apart, seeing some of my coworkers. Um, but uh, yeah, and like you, I've been trying to get outside a little bit, go for walks, um, been working out. Luckily, my company has provided uh, video workouts for us, which is which is great. Um, we have a gym at work and a personal trainer, and um, he didn't get laid off. They've actually had him working on video workouts, so it's great. So I've been able to kind of stay in shape, um, get some exercise. What's been bad is the weather. I can't stand that we're into May, and it's been 40s and 50s and rainy. I've um, been trying to start a little garden on our deck. Uh, we did some gardening, but all the plants, we had to make sure we brought them inside. Um, we bought new furniture for our deck, and we've had to kind of move that inside because it's rain or chance of snow even coming up. So kind of have a little cabin fever. Um, there has been a lot of good stuff on TV, at least to watch. Like you said, the May the 4th uh, Be With You um, kind of inspired my wife, Katie, who helps uh, produce and edit this show. Um she was really interested in catching up and binge watching the Star Wars series because she had never seen any of them, just bits and pieces. So I have seen the first six. Um, I have not seen the new um, Daisy Ridley, um, Kylo Rhett, like those three. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting to seven, eight, and nine. But um, we're we're halfway through Empire Strikes Back. I think we're going to finish it after this show. Um, so that's that's been something fun to do. It's watching Star Wars. Um, just uh, watching all the classic games that are on, like you are too. Um, the AT&T Sportsnet has been great at putting on the the Penguins Cup clinchers and some Pirates yeah. uh, Pirates World Series games. I, I think they had on the wild card game that I love to relive. Um, still watch Sports Center. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the mothership, as Bronson calls it, but uh, agreed. <laughs> but it's something where at least they have live. Um, analysts in there talking about what's going on in each sport. And, you know, it kind of, I draw some inspiration from some of the, the reporters that I, that I idolize on there. I don't love a lot, like a lot of them do annoy me, but, um, and I, and I flipped through Fox sports. One's another network, CBS sports network. We were just talking about Giannotti and uh, the boomer and geo show. Giannotti cut his teeth here in Pittsburgh on uh, KDK FM uh, 93, seven, the fan, um, so I try to watch that show, um, you know, don't tell any of my bosses, but during work, I kind of sometimes have some sports on in the background <laughs> as long as I'm productive, it's, it's allowed. So, um, I got a head, one headphone in the ear listening to some sports. Um, I listen to some Howard Stern too. Um, he kind of, he kind of gets you through the day with some of his antics and his great interviews. So I've been listening to a lot of Stern. I subscribed to get this. I subscribed to Sirius. Um, XM radio, they did have a good deal for like $9 a month, but during the pandemic, they gave it away f like free. So I kind of feel like a little bit, uh, gypped there. It's like they should refund <laughs> it, refund me or something, but, uh, I think it's only three free through may. So at least I have it after that, but, uh, 
yes, yeah, watching TV, watching sports, and, uh, and 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 listening to to Stern's kind of been my life. And I'd be remiss if I didn't say, Frank, that the end of last week, all the local go- uh, golf courses have been open. I know uh, Rich Richie Walsh and uh, Bob Papini from KDK uh, basically pretty much through social media filmed their entire uh, round of eighteen there. But uh, I heard them talking <laughs> trash. I heard Papini whooped Richie Walsh pretty good. <laughs> I guess he pumped. I mean, I'm I'm not a like regular golfer, but I do try to make it out to the course a few times during the summer. But I'm thinking maybe if I get the next couple of days off here in the next week or so, even if nobody wants to go with me, uh, and of course if I do go. I will let the listeners know. I will maintain social distancing with my <laughs> friends. We'll all take different cards. Please don't get me in trouble. But if <laughs> but if nobody wants to go, I mean, I'd even be content just going by myself, Frank. You know, going to Delmar. It can be peaceful. Locally. Yeah, if you yeah, go by yourself, I can imagine it being a stress reliever. Yeah, just that you know, just enjoying nature. Just hopefully the weather cooperates and we get a couple of days off. I'd love to go out there and at least hit a few, even if I had all much time and maybe we can just squeeze nine in. That'd be cool because it does get me kind of excited that you know the golf courses are opening up and it's kind of you know maybe I, I we could be you know maybe it's it's the vision's a little blurred there, but it, it gives you a little bit you know it gives you it gives you positivity, it gives you high hope with all the the negativity and and fear that that the media has has conjured up for the you know. For us, of the country, you know, and all across the world, things like this kind of give you a little sense of hope and a little sense of positivity. So, yeah, I'm going to try maybe next week or two to get, get out to the course, you know, whether it's Stonecrest or Fox Run or, or, or you know, Del Mar or you know, maybe somewhere like, you know, uh, Strawberry Ridge or something up in, in Zilly or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's it kind of pumps me up just a little bit. I got to be honest with you. Hopefully they can squeeze you in because I bet you demand is really high. Their that's phone's probably good. ringing off the yeah. hook. Because everybody's itching to do something, and I'm just—I mean, I'm just a nickel and dime jabroni compared to the people <laughs> golfing. You know, you know, I'm sure you know the Johnsons and the Berries are, are golfing at Delmore. They're, they're taking all the tea times. And they'll shut up to that. <laughs> the VIPs, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm anxious too myself to get on the tennis court because that tennis is, oh, my, yeah. is my sport, that's, that's and. These last couple of years, my our, my friend in Bronson's also Sean Coonfair. Um, he he's my tennis uh, playing partner, uh, and he's gotten really good over the years. He started playing. He he didn't start playing the game until he was seventeen or eighteen, late in high school. And uh, Sean has become a really good tennis player. So him and I have some pretty epic uh, three set battles, and uh, we've been playing three, sometimes four times a month every uh, every summer. For the last four or five years, but I uh, haven't been able to get that get out there yet. He thought he saw that the courts were opening, but I think he went and found out that they were still locked. And I don't think that's one of the things that Governor Wolf opened up yet. So uh, hold is, tight. I think maybe is. in Elwood City it'll be open soon because uh, Elwood City, where Bronson lives, is in, in one of those yellows. The the phasing in of the the opening up. I think they're going to open yeah. things like sooner. So I might have to take the John up to Elwood City and and play on those courts. So yeah, yeah. I'm really anxious. To out there too yeah frankie i know you're a big tennis person um one thing too that was kind of disappointing was i was getting kind of excited because uh th- there was a false report out there that uh dependable driving and moon was going to open up and you know she has to maybe go you know too. yeah and then eventually a few hours later that was rebutted so that, that's mm-hmm. a little depressing and, and it kind of makes you maybe this is a subject we throw in here for about 15 seconds <laughs> will will drive-ins become relevant again now with all the social distancing and uh, right. the covid you know will that will that overtake the the actual sit-in movie theaters you know you know especially the social distancing it might be it might be the way to go because at least you know if you bring a car you're with your family members i mm-hmm. think i think the thing was 
what it was going to be going forward is you had to at least have a, have a mask on and stuff. So, but I don't know. It, it makes you think for sure. Frankie. I didn't see why they had to pull that one at all, because if you're yeah. just sitting in the car, even with your windows rolled up, how can that spread anything? So I, I thought that that should be something that's allowed, but um, worst case scenario, just turn concessions off or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Let me go that far. It's it's so that's sad. Hopefully that stuff starts coming soon. But I know like a regular movie theater, I think it's going to be like a year because they just can't risk it until there's a vaccine. And that's that's a shame for a lot of places that might go out of business. This is funny. This is a little tidbit. This is cool because this can stay on a recording on our podcast. And I'm sure Justin and Nico would appreciate this. I have not been to a drive in since I think I was like in fifth grade. It was like 97, 98 or 99 when I, when I moved here to Elwood from Slippery Rock. And I'm going to tell you, it was a double feature. I still remember the movies that was there. <laughs> it was Lethal Weapon 4 and Can't Hardly Wait. That was the <laughs> wow. double feature. But yeah. And I don't think I was even old enough to be watching a movie like Can't Hardly Wait. <laughs> that was like that was like the one, like the, 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 teen, the teen comedy. That was kind of like right before American Pie came out. So... Yeah, it was kind of hitting. It was what was like ten or eleven at the time, or maybe twelve, right before we hit our teenage years. But yeah, it's just a little fun fact. I'm sure some of our listeners are probably laughing right now. Can't hardly wait. <laughs> Sorry, Bronson. Can't hardly wait is a movie that I still don't understand grammatically if it's correct or if it's supposed to be incorrect. But shouldn't it be can hardly wait? If you're excited for if you're excited for something, you can hardly wait. So that that title always bothered me. I'm, I never saw the movie, so maybe it ties in. I don't even but... remember what the movie was about. I was like, <laughs> I remember Lethal Weapon Four, though. I mean, come on, he had he had Pesci, and Pesci, uh, Mel Gibson, Danny Glover. I mean, you couldn't beat that movie. So, but that anyway, that's just a little fun fact. There, I, I have a fun fact about me that you'll be shocked. I've never ever been to one. It's a sad never thing. Drive never wow. been to one. So I, I I need to. Hopefully, they open up and I can check that off my list. But I've never been to one. Yeah. You gotta go at least at least once. I've been to a couple, like I said, as a kid. But yeah, I would say I think it was like 1998, 90. It's like 98 or it was right before. It was like one of the last years of elementary school. We went went for whenever to the the great the great towering uh, facility known as LHS. Uh, yeah, went, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was the Kane. That one was at Kane Drive-In. Is that mm-hmm. Alaquipa or Hope? Over that's at. Yeah, yeah. There you go. This is. Some fun stories here, reminiscent of Frankie about <laughs> So, if the listeners aren't uh, already tuned out or bored of Bronson and my life so far, uh, hopefully they're still with us. But uh, we, we'll dive right into our topics at hand. Um, I want to get into it right away, Bronson, with just our thoughts. I know we've been touching upon it these last couple of podcasts, and there hasn't, been, there hasn't been much new news um, as far as when these leagues are going to open up, but... Um, I I want to go in and get your take because you're a hockey guy. Um, the NHL and their idea of using eight hub cities. Um, I don't know if you've seen or heard much about that, and if they're picking what cities they're considering, um, how they're going to do where they quarantine players and and team personnel, and uh, if you've heard of any dates that have been thrown out there. Um, as far as starting the season, will they finish the 20 games or so that were left? Jump right into the playoffs. What if? What have you heard, if anything, about the uh, the NHL opening up? Um, I, I only heard a little bit of what Mark Madden brought up, Frank. I'm not going to be. I'm going to be completely honest with you. It's not that I don't know. It's just I guess I kind of chose to tune it out a little bit because it seems like with this pandemic, like every week there's always a new proposal, and after a few weeks, it just got to be like, all right, you know, it's like. Don't tease me. Just let me know when hockey's coming back because I, I miss it. And I do think that 
the priority has to be finishing the season. Now, as I say that, don't freak out. I, I think they should just abandon the regular season and get right into the playoffs. I think finishing this season is a hell of a lot more important than making sure we have another season. And then and in previous episodes, we talked about, obviously, our proposals as to get moving that forward. So we're not going to bore you to death with bringing that, rehatching that back mm-hmm. up. But I know Mark Madden brought, uh, I think Phil Bork was on the show the other day. They were talking about that. And actually, would Pittsburgh be one of those hub cities? Mm-hmm. And I think Phil Bork even kind of had like a, a even better counter proposal. He's like, Maybe not even Pittsburgh, but like Cranberry, the the complex. I heard Jr. bring that up too. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, that, like have Cranberry be it because you know. And then here's the thing: is Pittsburgh one of the teams that's going to play there? You know, like is that give them too much of a uh, advantage? Uh, I, yeah, home field advantage. Yeah, I mean, at this point, Frank, I'd be open to anything that brings hockey back. Obviously, uh, you know, I'm showing my my favoritism there with hockey, but. The fact, I mean, it's just that I don't want to end the season with, and I know obviously there are a lot more important things in our life going on than finishing an NHL season, but like, I, I just don't want to end this without knowing. Like, I got to know. Like, yeah, I think that goes for all the sports. I heard LeBron saying that you just can't, it's just going to be such an empty feeling if you just cut it off now. But you played three fourths of the season, you have your, your, you're lined up to get a good seed in the playoffs, and you want to make a run. And your these players' legacy is just how many rings they can win. And LeBron wants to bring one back to LA. And it's just, it would be a shame if they can't finish it. We've talked about in the past, like if you have to delay next season, you can catch up eventually. So well, if, if, and, if leagues have to wait till January to start next season, so be it. But here's another point too. And I said, I know Madden's brother, I know a lot of other sports casters have brought it up too. I think finishing the season is the more, the more, uh, the, the bigger priority because if you scrap it and start next year and then we get to around the winter time, fall, winter time, when there's an, you know, when the ne- another run of the coronavirus comes up, then it threatens that season as well. It'd be nice, at least nice to know that we could finish one season. Mm-hmm. Then what happens next season happens. Tackle it season. then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I heard about the hub cities. Um, I know the beginning was like, you know, they're going to North Dakota, South Dakota, mm-hmm. some places really off the grid there. But, and then they were talking about maybe some, you know, lower popular, not lower popular, but like, not your Pittsburgh, Columbus, yeah. yeah. Columbus is a finalist, I heard. But I, I want to later on in when I talk about baseball's plans, I think they have a good idea. And hockey, I'll just tease it a little bit. If hockey picked uh, eight hub cities, smaller towns like Pittsburgh, Columbus, Raleigh, um, Tampa. I, well, Florida, I think, is a hotbed, so I don't know about Tampa. But um, if they pick the right cities and then they can travel by bus or – what about just, a place like what about a place like and I just thought of this now? This obviously wasn't what about a place like Erie? Yeah, if they, they definitely have the facilities up there. I know you've been there, the otters play. Um, so and they, I don't know about their practice facilities, but it, yeah, it doesn't have to be an actual NHL city that yeah. they could get creative, like they were saying, Cranberry. One thing about Pittsburgh, I'll add, and I heard this on um KDKA is um they have all they would be actually be able to have practices in Cranberry out at Neville Island where RMU plays. Yeah. And and they could use South Point where which is still operating. Yeah. Um even the Penguins used to practice there, but they still have, I believe, two rinks there. Yeah, so it's still there. If they brought in eight teams to Pittsburgh, um traveling via bus. Um, playing games at PPG Paints and or um, Neville Island or Cranberry, 
I mean, I can't imagine Stanley Cup playoffs at RMU at 84 Lumber Arena. Can you imagine it? Like, <laughs> or at or even at the Cranberry facility. Um, but I think they might use RMU and South Point as practice facilities and try to get all the games at PPG Paints. Now there won't be any fans, but at least PPG, PPG Paints Arena has the television broadcast capabilities all set up and ready, and the sight lines yeah. are all. The sight lines are better for TV, and so I think they're looking at cities that have an infrastructure like that, and that's why I think Pittsburgh, if they do go the hub city route, will be picked because they can have teams. There is there's empty hotels in Neville Island. There's empty hotels in Cranberry. It can really be done in Pittsburgh with all these practice sites and then PPG paints for the game. So you have eight teams, which means you have four series um, of the playoffs going on in Pittsburgh and- East. And- East and West doesn't matter. You can put, yes, Pittsburgh will, that will be biased, but there will be no fans in the arena. So will there really be a home ice advantage if it's a quiet arena? So uh, in the Penguins road games, you'll still get the last change. The Penguins would be the road team, even though yeah. it's, uh, it's had, so I think it's not really much of an advantage other than those players might be able to stay at their own houses. It's funny, Frank, that you mentioned all the local facilities here in the in the western Pennsylvania area. And I, I know they wouldn't play hockey there, but it's funny because, like, last year, RMU just opened that beautiful – I haven't been inside of it yet – that beautiful UPMC event center. I guess you yep. have basketball teams playing. And <laughs> they just opened it last year, and now it's not going to – you know, not going to have anything. But it has, you know, sure – RMU's taking the big hit on the chin for that now. With no I got. To, I was in there once. It is a spectacular facility. I saw a concert there, um, and they did at least get to have one season, their inaugural season yeah. uh, for RMU basketball. But uh, hopefully by the fall, this is over, and we can have – they might have to do it without fans, but uh, hopefully we have college sports, um, which yeah. will probably be a topic for a later show when they start talking about college football and basketball. Boy, those will be a, a gut punch if we lose those. But um, – yeah, the NHL, that's that's it for that. I mean, we're just hoping Bronson and I are just itching. I mean, we'd be close to the conference finals by now. We'd be like right in the middle of the second round. Yeah, I don't think there's – Frank, and like I said, I mentioned on the show, at this point, I, I know – like I, <clears throat> there's some guys, I guess, that have come up publicly and said that they should just shelve the season. But, I mean, it's Brendan Gallagher, Drew Doughty. And it's like, well, they're obviously on teams that aren't going to make the playoffs. So it's <laughs> right. easy for them to say that. But I, I just don't see how you can try to fit any of these regular season games. And if you're able to come back, you got to go straight to the playoffs. And right now, Pittsburgh will play the Philadelphia Flyers. So I'll tell you what, what a, what a hell of a way to come back. Great. That's a, <laughs> um, so that ties a bow. I mean, really, on the NHL, it's not much new except for – Go ahead. I was going to go back to you about, you know, we're probably going to move in here to about baseball. And, you know, you, you are the, you are the, our, uh, our resident baseball Dalai Lama over here. But I do, before we get into it, I just want to say um, just a little short, you know, a little short and sweet statement. I was talking to you about this earlier, Frank, off, off the air. I was really getting into this Korean baseball, these games on ESPN, albeit I'm watching the replay, the replays on uh, this afternoon. And it's funny that you mentioned that you're telling a little secret about work. Uh, at work, we're allowed to have, have uh, certain channels on and ESPN is one of them. So um still grinding hard, get my work done. So, so don't come down to me about that. I'm still getting, working hard <laughs> as ever, but uh, you know, hearing and seeing some uh, live baseball in the background was cool. Albeit the Korean, the Korean league, and I do. I think Nick Kingham even started the game of the Korean wow. League. So I've seen there's some Americans over there. Dan Straley started the opener. Yeah. Um, 
used to pitch for the A's and Aaron Altair, the outfielder of the Phillies uh, and Mets has gone over there. And the Japanese league is the premier league in Asia, um, but the Korean league is catching up. A lot of guys are going over there to extend their careers. Yeah, like it was it, is it today or yesterday? We were I was watching the the Kia Tigers against the Samsung team, so they're sponsored, obviously. Names, yeah, yeah, it was cool. And then the one game yesterday, there was uh, there was back to back home runs. Uh, I think it was the Samsung team. So obviously, I'm not familiar with some only a couple of the names I was familiar with, but it was cool just to be watching live sports again. And then you sit there and Frank and then you're you're watching these games. Like I said, and I have. Conf- Fest to the audience that I've been watching the replays as mm-hmm. I didn't know the results of them anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You, you watch how that league is is conducting its season and how things are being handled, and I'm looking like, why can't we do that? Why can't we yeah. do that? <laughs> Luckily, hopefully they draw from it and they get some ideas. It's a good um, example, and uh, the major league can maybe uh, steal some of their ideas to to get our season underway. And. Uh, and, that, and as I was going to baseball, and one, it's weird that you know the hockey guy knew more about the baseball plans than the than the hockey plans because the <laughs> baseball seemed to really uh, travel more over nationally. But Frank, it looked like if baseball is to come back, I guess we would have different divisions. The Pirates would play with like the Red Sox and the Yankees and yes. the Jays, or you know. So that's kind of a weird thing to think about. But I mean, it's so different than you know your, your grapefruit leagues and your cactus leagues. But I guess it would be more on a on a season on a on a, on a regular season status. So uh, Frank, with all be with all fair to you, <laughs> I will I will roll the red carpet out for you to strut up. And, uh, and uh, what do you feel about this these proposed new divisions and and how they would handle the regular season well thanks bronson um yeah what they've been tossing out there for baseball is the ability to still play in home ballparks in home cities and what they would have to do to limit travel and being in airports where more exposure can take place is they would lump the 30 teams into three 10 team divisions regionally so they're going to throw out the american league throw out the national league and just regionally put divisions together so i haven't gotten a chance to look at all three divisions but i did see the division the pirates would be proposed to be in now this isn't set in stone yet it's one of the ideas being tossed around i think it was confirmed by commissioner manfred that it's being considered Uh, the pirates would be in like bronson mentioned with the yankees the red Sox. um it's going to be a tough division if they are in it the pirates weren't looking like they were going to have a great year in the NL Central, but now they're going to have to face uh, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Tampa Bay Rays, who are, uh, despite low payroll, a juggernaut in the American League. Um, the Washington Nationals would be in that division, who are the defending champs. Um, they would have some teams that are at their level, such as the Baltimore Orioles, um, a rebuilding Toronto Blue Jay team, who I think will be better this year with their young talent. Um, they'll have the Phillies in the division. The Phillies are a team that's a a perennial contender with the money they spend. Um, They'll have the Mets, who are hit or miss, usually around 500 like the Pirates lately. So it'll be interesting, and I think the schedule will be predominantly uh, games against that division. So I think they're looking at a 100-game schedule possibly, and – all the games possibly just being against those other nine teams. So you would play the the other nine teams in your division about 10 or 11 times each. And uh, once the playoffs start, you might play somebody like St. Louis or 
the LA Dodgers for the first time the entire season, um, which would kind of create some buzz and some interest. Um, so that that would be interesting to see, um, just so that they can have bus travel with a you know a four or five hour maximum, um, might be eight or ten hours from Pittsburgh to New York on a bus, but. Um, if they do that, at least it's baseball. There's a lot of detractors from it. There's a lot of critics. But um, if there's any way to get baseball going, it's going to be empty stadiums. It's going to be this realignment. It's going to be a shortened season. Um, and that if they can draw from the, the KBO in Korea with the umpires wearing masks and players distancing more in the dugouts and things like that, um, there might be a sign of hope for baseball getting going in June. Um, I think they're going to need the end. If they do get something picked, they're going to have to have a modified kind of spring training. Again, the pitcher's arms have to get ready. And that's, I think the biggest hurdle for any of these sports resuming. And if you're a, a pessimist, you'll look at all the sports, hockey and basketball, the, the players have to get their legs ready. They have to get their, the pitchers have to get their arms in throwing shape. And I think that's going to take three to four weeks for baseball. And I think a good two weeks, at least for hockey to get so that they don't risk injury when they come back. So when you do pick a date, you can return, add two to three weeks onto that. And you're looking at June or July. So there's a lot of hurdles to get through, but yeah, baseball is considering this new realignment. I think it would be interesting and fun, and we would at least have live sports and, and, and baseball again. Um, like we were saying, it's a better alternative to scrapping the season, and um, I think it's interesting. I would definitely be for it. Yeah, and, that, and uh, that's it. You know, it's as me as a baseball fan, I'm a big pirate fan, but also kind of grew up a closet Yankee fan. So I was looking forward to that, that series coming here to PNC this year. Obviously that's more not likely to happen now with all of this going on, but um not gonna be watching games period to be quite honest, but uh as a fan in 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 a, in a stadium. But yeah, it's 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 something different, Frankie, for sure. Um I I, I just I just want something back. At this point yeah. I don't care what the divisions are. Um I I'd love to see baseball and watching this Korean league has only made me like what baseball more? Mm-hmm. I mean, and you, you have to go into it. Obviously, when as I'm watching the, these games, I'm going in it with a mindset of it's not MLB; it's just baseball. You know, if you expect it to be MLB, you're going to be sorely mistaken. But it's good to actually watch baseball. And like I said, I, I baseball was my first love as a sports fan before I loved football and hockey more. So, baseball always has a near and dear place to my heart. So, um, it'd be nice if they got something going, as you said, Frank. Preparation is key. All these guys are going to need a few weeks here to get in. You know, you know, if sports came back tomorrow, you can't just drop the puck tomorrow night or, or you know, have the first pitch be two days and now there has to be preparation. These guys are top world caliber athletes, and to play at that high level, there has to be training. There has to be preparation into that. So I agree with you 100%. But, Frank, we're talking about sports that might come back. Let's talk about a sport that is coming back. Not this Sunday. Next Sunday, the 17th of May. You know I love motorsports. NASCAR returns. It's been confirmed. Uh, North Carolina, South Carolina governors saying it's okay to hold these races um, as long as there's no fans. NASCAR returns Sunday, May 17th at Fox at 3 p.m. Coverage probably starts at 3 p.m. I think the race is at 3.30. And it'll be at Darlington, a, 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 a historic track. Um, and it's weird, Frank, they're not going to do, um, 
you know, you do a race a week. They're actually going to need to do a few races that week. They're going to have the race on Sunday, the Xfinity Series. That's the AAA developmental series in NASCAR. That'll be on Tuesday night. And then they come back Wednesday night with another cup race. So they're going to – it starts with Darlington. It's going to move over to Charlotte. They're going to do a couple races a week in the cup series. Xfinity, I think, will have uh, a race, one race a week with uh, the truck series jumping in there as well. But um, it's – as a race fan for me, that's – it's a cool uh, – it's exciting to have actual real racing. I know I've put over the virtual racing that's been on Fox and FSL lately, but as cool as that stuff is, it doesn't beat the real thing. And it'll be cool to see these guys. These guys, I'm sure, have been chomping at a bit. They're tired of sitting in some little rigged video game r- sim rig in their in their basement or their bedrooms. <laughs> uh, they, I'm sure they want to get into a real car and actually start racing. Um, obviously, they'll be they're they're going to have fans. I'm sure the limitations of team members, crew members will be, I'm sure in place as well. I'm sure there will probably have to be some sort of testing in place, you know, Mm -hmm. before they get into the cars, but I'm just excited. There's something back on TV that will be live. As I said, you know, as excited as I was to see some sort of baseball, be it not American baseball, it's exciting that NASCAR will be back. And, and my one friend, who's a big racing aficionado, he said, you know, don't sleep on this Bronson. He said, I'm sure a lot of casual people who've never watched NASCAR, or people who used to love, will be tuning in because it'll be something. It'll be right. something live. You're uh, talking to one of them here. I'm not a huge uh, racing fan. I've joked with Bronson in the past. I can't get into the four circles round and round. All <laughs> four left turns. Four left turns. I do like the road courses because that brings some interesting. I love the road courses because yeah. it's different. But I might give it a shot because, like you said, there's just something something to watch. Yeah, and I'm sure it'll. it'll I'm sure it'll be huge. Yeah, I'm sure they'll have big numbers. Darlington's not your typical circle track. Um, high bankings, it's kind of like a like a, a wider a wider paperclip longer. Um, mm-hmm. Usually get a lot of uh, a lot of guys like the wrecks, a lot of guys like the con- the confrontations and the fights. <laughs> I'm sure emotions will be running high on the 17th. And think of it this way, Frank: if some if some stuff goes down on the 17th. They're only gonna have a few more days to go back to the track, so I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure there'll be some storylines and drama built up there. Um, and I'm sure people in NASCAR loving that. So it's cool to see NASCAR back. As a fan of motorsports myself, Frank, I hope eventually we can have IndyCar, Formula One, um, World of Outlaws, um, sports car racing. I hope a lot of those guys can also follow suit. There has been some local dirt track racing, not here, Frank, uh, South Dakota. Um, they were they were cleared to resume some uh, some dirt racing there. No fans were in the. In the stand. I was about to turn you into Governor Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> if, no, if, it's not here. If What's it's going on good. here? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. Governor Wolf, don't come after me. I'm good. We're good. <laughs> it was in South Dakota. I guess their legislation okayed it. Um, no fans were in the in attendance. Um, and I think that um, a lot of those dirt racing, Frank. Uh, you can watch a lot of those dirt events. Uh, they have a they have a paid subscription thing called Dirt Vision, and uh, and Racing Visions. Different ones. They said their streaming and their and their pay per view sales, whatever for the race, was like astronomical because people just wanted to watch something live. And I feel like if that if, if something like that, if some dirt rate, you know, uh, I think it was Tony Stewart's All Star Circuit of Champions. I think that race there. I'm not quite sure, or at least guys that were in that series. And if something like that drew a big you know rating from a, a uh, an eye pay-per-view thing. I can only imagine that when NASCAR returns on Fox, uh, that it, it will do big numbers. So I'm done boring the non-NASCAR fans, Frank. I just wanted to get my excitement across. I'll touch about it 
uh, later when I go on my little end of the show rant. But uh, I assume we're going to go to the UFC since, you know, um, this is my point time to, you know, gloat, you know. Since Vince McMahon got Dana White a chance to uh, to, to get, bring his UFC fights to Florida, since Vince has got the hookup with uh, with, with D. Trump, you know, to make uh, WWE <laughs> and wrestling a, 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 a an essential business. Did you see that? Thing? <laughs> no. Yeah, in uh, in the in the state of Florida, wrestling, any kind of broadcast wrestling or, or uh, sporting event, any kind of uh, combat event is considered an essential business. That is why Dana White. Will how they pull that stuff. off? <laughs> well, Mister Man's tight with Trump. I mean, his wife Linda uh, has been on was in right. Trump's cabinet for quite a bit there. So, <laughs> when you're Vince McMahon, you, you you move mountains to make things happen. Yeah, and money <laughs> talks for sure. If you're a billionaire, <laughs> come on, pal. As far as, as far as the UFC, though, Bronson, I did hear, and I'm not a huge follower of the UFC. I don't know how much you are, but it's coming back this gotcha. weekend. I, th- I think this weekend they're having matches. Yeah. And I think I think it's in Florida. I'm not sure about that. Um, it's and it's, Florida. It's, Florida. it's no fans. Um, but And the referees, I think, are going to be masked, and they're always gloved. But um, I guess... I guess all of the fighters have been in self-isolation for two weeks. So this is a good roadmap for the other sports. Um, self-isolation for the last two weeks, temperature readings every day, um, and no using common facilities to work out. Um, they're having to use the private saunas to cut weight, um, private weight rooms. Um, I think some of them even have like the whole floor of the hotel. is like just them. Yeah. Um, so they're really taking the steps to get us live UFC. I thought a nice gesture would be um, to broadcast these fights on cable, but they still haven't done it. It's going to be pay-per-view. The undercard's going to be on ESPN, but um, all the title matches are pay-per-view. I know people yeah. will pay it. When there's demand there, they're going to do it. So people will pay it. I won't be one of them because I'm casual, but that's why boxing kind of lost interest is it's all pay-per-view now. And yep. um, you can't see the big names. You can't see the uh, the title fights unless you want to dish out $99.95. The only way you can do it is if you go to like Buffalo Wild Wings or if, if, if eight or ten of your buddies all pitch in five, six dollars, ten dollars. Yeah. Um, so... But uh, it is back this weekend. I think there's a couple title fights. Um, we'll have to. I think my friend uh, Ryan is a big uh, shout out to Ryan Percival. He's a loyal listener. I think he's a big USC fan. We might have to have him on the show um, yeah. as, as a caller to, to be our our expert, our Dalai Lama on UFC, because you and I aren't huge fans of it. But um, I'll tell you what, get get your friend Ryan and uh, my friend Shane. He's a he's diehard in the UFC. I'd get this to yeah. get them. Stephen A. and uh, Max Kellerman go back and forth with who they think is going to win. You and I can just take a break, yeah, just (laughs) grab something to eat or something. Give them 20 minutes to go get some takeout or something. (laughs) But, yeah, I'm excited that's back. And then um, as far as, like, we'll lump them all together, the rest, like you said, um, WWE, um, tennis is – there's it's not looking good for tennis they're even talking about canceling dates in 2021 which kind of depresses me being a tennis fan i really especially late in the careers of roger federer and rafa nadal um 
it was getting to a point where it might be their last Wimbledon. It might be their last U.S. Open. And I just hope they can hang on for another year or two so we haven't seen the last of those guys. Um, golf, I did hear, and, and I'll have to fact check this, golf is on its way back. I believe that um, we're going to get some PGA Tour events within the next two or three weeks. Um, no, no fans, like we've been saying, and um, the threesomes that tee off are just being instructed to touch only their ball, only their club, stay six feet apart. Golf, I don't think, I think golf could have been going on the whole time. Um, And I said this rant in an earlier show, but if you don't have any fans and it's just the three people taking off six feet apart, touching their own clubs, their own balls, it should totally be fine. I think it probably was the travel. It's the travel getting to the courses. So now that if we do have more accurate and, 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 uh, available testing and self-isolation before the tournaments um they're going to get the green light to have some of those so that'll get on tv which is good um and a lot of casual fans that don't watch golf will probably tune into some of those events yeah i heard too frank that i guess they're going to do um i I assume it'll be like a pay-per-view event or something to raise money for maybe for uh covid19 uh awareness but i i did see the rumor that was what's it gonna be it's gonna be what tom brady and phil mickelson against uh peyton manning and tiger woods i saw that too and i think that's coupling off of the peyton's the peyton show where him and brady um had such great chemistry and uh, i think that that people love brady and manning and their charisma and um obviously uh would you say it was it was it tiger and phil yeah, it's it's that's Tiger and Peyton Manning and Phil. It's Phil and, and I mean, talk about what a what a foursome. I mean, the 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 dominant legends uh, of the last era, the last twenty years in their sports. Um, and if it can be broadcast, that would do huge ratings. And uh, if it can be done for a charity and COVID uh, nineteen uh, relief efforts, um, that would be awesome. I, I know I'd be watching that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, anything to just get excitement back again. Um, um, Yeah, just, I mean, at this point, like, it's just your frustration starts hitting an all time high. You're just like, I just want, I want anything back that's live. Um, I was going to mention, I was going to mention before you were, we were on the, oh, uh, buried in the lead of the last few weeks of sports and stuff. Speaking of WWE, um, one thing that wasn't covered by our show is the, the XFL filed for bankruptcy. And um and um Andrew Luckstad Oliver was fired as commissioner and apparently he's going to take Vince McMahon and then and, and uh I think it's the company that Vince filed the XFL. I know it's like Alpha Entertainment. I think Andrew uh, Andrew's dad oh like he's saying Andrew, so I keep like recovering myself saying Andrew's dad. <laughs> Oliver Luck. He's yeah. taking Vince to court to because he feels he's entitled. He was entitled to a big sum of money and that he did not get upon the XFL, uh, uh, you know, filing for bankruptcy. Uh, he was, I guess, Oliver Luck was technically fired, but I mean, Oliver was definitely going to try to prove in court that you know the XFL was doing okay towards the last mm-hmm. few week, weeks that they were starting to lose a little bit of viewership, but they were doing much better than than originally forecasted. So, yeah, there's good. Yeah. When when things lift there, there will be a big uh, battle when the, of the legal mattresses there as uh, Oliver Luck takes on. <laughs> I hated I hated to see the XFL fold because I think they were doing a little bit little bit better than the AAF did. I know that Absolutely. week to week to week it was starting to lose viewers, but uh, I was hoping it would gain traction. And I think they were going to try to finish the season and try it to have a second season, but then Corona just just uh, 
buried that and another casualty to the coronavirus is, is the XFL. So it was sad. Absolutely. Well, Bronson, uh, I think uh, we're ready to get into our topic du jour of the evening. Uh, the only big thing that has been going <laughs> on lately in sports, um, it would be. I was just about to cue it up. <laughs> we think too much alike. And I had done that in a Friar show, but. Um, you, duh, this, duh, 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 duh. this is next level nerd, so we have to be nerds. Um, but uh, the NFL draft took place April 23rd. Um, record viewership numbers, as we predicted, um, as everybody predicted, because everybody was just so thirsty for some live sport. Oh, my gosh. And the NFL pulled it off. And Roger Goodell actually looked kind of normal. And I think he got a lot of credit for um, – a lot of people hate Roger Goodell, and I think it was a good look for him over the three days being in his basement. It humanized him a little bit. And uh, they pulled the draft off. To a T, no glitches. They practiced it the the Sunday or Monday before, worked out some of the kinks. Video feeds all worked. Phone lines all worked. Nobody missed a pick. Um, if they did, we didn't hear about it. Maybe they, they let a few teams slide on the, on the clock because of internet connections or whatnot. Um, went off without a hitch. I felt like I was watching a normal draft because most of the time, other than the top 10 picks, um, the players are on their couches and they have the cameras on the players' couches and you see the reactions. So it was just like that for everybody. Um, a little bit weird not seeing Joe Burrow come up and hold the jersey and put on the cap and give Roger Goodell a hug and to see the most of the first-rounders do that. Um, but I got used to it right off the bat and um, – I really enjoyed watching the draft. Um, it was it was great entertainment, something live, um, something exciting to finally talk about. Our Steelers uh, made six selections, so we're gonna go uh, pick by pick, and Bronson and I are oh gonna. Oh my gosh! We're gonna we're gonna give our our kind of our draft grades and what we think. Did the Steelers uh, meet fill some needs? Did they reach for anybody um, who you might have wished they would have picked? Um, I have the draft list in front of me on one of my screens. So I, I will say, Frank, that uh, we'd be burying the lead here if I didn't say we talked about some of the things that happened in the draft. Uh, I mean, honestly, I mean, to make a joke, you know, Michael Jordan has the 10 part documentary. I think with as much nerddom as Frank and I have for the NFL draft, we could probably make a, a 10 part podcast based on the draft. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, just so much funny stuff that happened in the draft from Bill Belichick's uh, dog. Nike. Nike, it was, a, it was a Husky, I think. Is that a his husky dog? Is name, Nike, yeah. Yeah, and then you had that. You had, uh, yeah, you had, um, oh, Cliff Kingsbury, Scarface caliber, uh, uh, fortress there. Yeah, his house, his, his house is five million dollar house, and they were joking. Bill Belichick's house looks like a, you know, like a normal Boston suburb house, like a like a two bedroom, you know, ranch. And, he said uh, it was located in Nantucket. Where right. yeah. And uh, he's kind of humble, even though he's got six rings. And Cliff Kingsbury, who has five career wins, is in this uh, palatial uh, mansion. They had that. I mean, Jerry Jones was making picks from his yacht. Right. Um, a lot of people, you know, Goodell, obviously, they, they, they were questioning whether that was even his actual home basement that he was making the picks from. Especially towards the, the later part of the draft, Frank, when he was, like, sitting in the chair. looked like he was ready to, to grab a book and tell us a story or something. I liked it. I mean, I, I, a lot of people hate him, but I don't have much of a problem. No, it's, it's fine. It was pretty funny how he switched to the chair, and I think a T-shirt, like, it was it – was, 
It was cool. It was laid back. He's kind of like all of us. It kind of makes you like everybody's in the same boat. So the only thing he was missing was a pipe and a smoking jacket. Honestly, he was such... <laughs> right. <laughs> and then the last thing before we get, I mean, and then of course, uh, uh, I'll say it. We're, we're nerd out. It's funny. Uh, <laughs> Mike Vrabel's house <laughs> with one of his kids uh, sitting on the pot. <laughs> well, I didn't they, see that. I didn't they, see that. Yeah, they didn't. They alleged that he wasn't on the commode. That he was like in a family room watching the draft, but uh, <laughs> there it, it doesn't show like the actual, like it's a reflection off of like their China cabinet or like, the glass <laughs> and it reflects back into the other room. And it looks like one of his teenage sons is sitting on the toilet, like with, with his pants down, like holding his cell phone or something. So like, <laughs> like he just had the door open and he was in the bathroom. It was all over ESPN and um, the, uh, uh, Mike Vrabel and his uh, his PR staff doing their best to try to cover that up, but I mean, obviously, there's no nothing was shown. I mean, yeah. just showed him on the toilet, but there's <laughs> no, no skin was bared or anything like that. But it was just funny to see, and like they try to cover it up that he wasn't really on the on the toilet. But it was funny. Like it's cool that you know all these people were so cool to 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 share their lives with us. And I know at first they said that a lot of executives and stuff were kind of against the cameras there. But then I guess after the draft, Frank, a lot of them said that they were glad to do it because they got to spend that moment with their their families working and, and then their their kids or wife or whatnot got to be on ESPN and it really yeah. made them feel good about themselves. I saw a lot of wives and kids which was nice uh, <laughs> standing around the desk with their with their dads as they made the picks. Um I didn't see a lot of GMs. They mostly showed coaches. I don't know if yeah. they showed uh, Colbert. I'm not sure if Colbert. Yeah, they on, showed but... Colbert. They showed up John Schneider, the GM of the Seattle Seahawks. Like, yeah. I mean, they showed him. And I know. And not. To cut, I'm sorry, but I need to cut you off. But like, um, Peter King had kind of like his draft, like reflections about how they broadcast in the draft. And uh, Peter King says he thinks that by next year, should things get back to normal, you'll probably see more of a hybrid. Like you'll see like the first 15, 20 guys get invited. Yeah. To... Now, Frank, next year the draft's at Cleveland. Yeah. So. He said you'll see probably like 15, 20 guys get invited to Cleveland and the rest will they'll probably do like the you know what they did this year. So he says that you know obviously the record viewership and and the positive reaction to how this draft kicked off, you know, will will set the seeds in place for the NFL to kind of do uh next year like a hybrid kind of the draft there. But uh I didn't mean to go on that side road there, but I thought be, we'd be doing our audience a disservice and not bring up some of the, the <laughs> some of the antics, so. yeah. Yeah. But getting into the, the, <laughs> the bread and getting into the bread and butter, the um the, the actual picks. Um I think you and I in a podcast before kind of had a lot of them uh pretty nailed down. Uh there were a few surprises jumping into the top ten. You know, I won't claim to know every player and know everything about them because I don't watch okay. enough I don't I don't watch enough college football and you don't really know a lot about the interior linemen, you know, the the guys that aren't the sexy pick that, you know, don't have the ball in their hands. Um but you know, such as the Giants drafting Andrew Thomas fourth overall. I think a lot of Giants fans did that, put their hands over their head like, oh, my God, what are we doing? Because, um, yeah, you got to protect the blind side of Daniel Jones. But um, if you, the you know, my man crush Isaiah Simmons on the board, yes. a linebacker, everybody had him pegged fourth to the Giants. He fell to eight, and Arizona got a steal. Uh, he, he fell into their lap at eight. I don't think they even thought he would be there, um, and I'm not sure if they need linebacker, but they need defense. So um, Isaiah Simmons, the guy that can play safety, corner, linebacker, rush, um, they get him eighth. 
Jacksonville picking a quarterback, CJ Henderson, don't know much about him. Um, but pretty much it fell, the chalk fell. You had Burrow go one, Chase Young go two. Uh, Tagavaloa, the Dolphins tanking for Tua. They didn't exactly get the number one pick, but since Tua had the Still injury, it, he had the injury and fell to five, and they finished with the fifth pick. So that kind of worked itself out. Tua is a Dolphin. He won't wear 13. Uh, they won't unretire Marina's number, rightfully so. They should never unretire a number, even if it's a number one pick. Uh, he will wear number one for the Dolphins. Um, uh, I said Isaiah Simmons to the Cardinals. Um, we did see the receivers start to go middle of the first round. And the, fir- Ooh, the first so receiver. The first receiver picked was Ruggs uh, by your man Gruden. And uh, <laughs> joining us now live is John Gruden of the Las Vegas Raiders. And uh, Coach, Coach, what did you see in Henry Ruggs III to take him over his teammate Jerry Judy, who is highly higher rated? What, uh, what did what went into that pick, Coach Gruden? I'll tell you what, man. We're going to be moving to Vegas. And everybody knows, man, you're in Vegas. Life's in the fast lane, man. we got to have a fast guy. We got to keep the Raider tradition fast 40 times like Al loves them. This is a pure Al Davis pick, man. You got to love this guy, man. Henry Ruggs, Alabama. <laughs> uh, Henry Ruggs, man. It's a wonder you didn't have a hyphen and bay at the end of it, man. It's, I'll tell you what, this guy can fly. Uh, <laughs> me and Mike Mayock, man, we love this pick, man. Love this pick. This guy's going to do great things. Derek's going to find him all over the field in our Allegiant Stadium in Vegas, man. Can't, I can't wait to get after him, man. I hope this we can get rid of this, this COVID thing, man. And I'll tell you what, man. Henry Ruggs is going to be the focal point of our Oakland Raider offense. Who's with me, guys? Knock on wood if you're with me, guys. Knock on wood if you're with me. You just called it. You called yourselves the Oakland Raiders. That won't be the first or the last I'll time. I'll tell you what, man. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm, I'm still calling sure. Chargers San Diego. So. <laughs> I know, right? No, but so, I mean, there you go, John Gruden, ladies and gentlemen. We lost him; he's off the line now. That was a pretty big plug for our small show to get John Gruden. This, this is Bronson talking, Frank. But I mean, like, what's what's he made that pick? I was here with my friend John. We we always make it a point to watch the draft together. And I just looked at him. I go, <laughs> I said, Al Davis's legacy is still alive. They get that guy with that fast 40 time. And the, and the first thing I thought about was the year they took Darius Hayward Beto for crime. It was reminiscent of that pick. And it's funny because, like, the pick after Ruggs was, tri- was Tristan Wirfs, who a lot of people thought that the Giants were going to take with that pick if they didn't take your boy Isaiah. And and once Wirfs started Great. to drop, it was like, once Wirfs started to drop, Got to give credit to this Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They they got to find that guy to protect the, the Tommy Tommy terrific, and they snuck up and grabbed uh, Tristan Wirfs. And uh, I don't think a lot of people thought he would fall that low, but I'll tell you what. You call me giddy, not to. I guess I am trying to put a play on words. I don't think there was anybody giddier in the draft than John Elway that Jerry Judy fell to him at fifteen. <laughs> I know it because he was a top 10 talent and to, to be the, not even to be the first receiver taken, he fell into their lap. They didn't even have to trade up for him, which they were talking oh. about doing. But getting back to Worfs, I thought Worfs would be the top tackle taken. And he was, he was the fourth tackle taken. The Browns took Jedrick Wills. So it's a, a, a tackle from Alabama. The, the kid from Louisville. And I heard he was supposed to be a big Yeah. Player. And I saw the tape. 
the tape they showed on him, Makai Becton, he does just blow people up. So that's probably a safe pick. But Worf's being fourth overall uh, tackle-wise, uh, yeah, the Buccaneers lucked into that. I think he can slide right into to Brady, at least right tackle or even Brady's blindside left tackle. Um, good good pick for the Bucs. Um, then the big pick, the next big pick was C.D. Lamb to the Cowboys. Yeah. And I think that's who Jerry Jones, Jerry World, I think he wanted C.D. Lamb. Um, Oklahoma kids are not far from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, a, lot of, a lot of Oklahoma football fans in North Texas. So that's kind of a natural fit. And did you see, Bronson, he has been given the famous number 88. The playmaker number. That has been worn by Drew Pearson. Um, and Michael Irvin and Dez yeah. So three three Dallas Cowboy legends. They haven't retired eighty eight yet. There, I'm not sure their policy on retiring numbers. They don't do it often there. But uh, now the the newest eighty eight is C D Lamb, and uh, he is the third receiver taken after Ruggs and Judy. So interesting there as Dak Prescott gets another weapon. Um, they signed Andy Dalton in free agency to kind of push Dak yeah. Prescott and served as this insurance policy if Dak holds out. So that was an interesting move. I heard the Steelers were actually kicking the tires on Dalton as we were with Jameis Winston, and we missed out on both. But yeah, um, yeah I, I don't. I was to say I, I did hear through some rumblings that the Cowboys actually were looking for sort of an, an edge guy there. But once CD Lamb fell to them, they just what couldn't pass. You, you have your board, and then once guys just fall down, you just you know all of a sudden that changes everything. And as you're talking about the the, the Cowboys getting Andy Dalton. And it's a cool little one-year deal that was, you know, a, a chance that if Dak doesn't sign or free, he gets hurt. Andy Dalton's kind of put thrust into a pretty good situation. I didn't know if the Steelers are, are knocking on Andy Dalton's door. Um, I I heard re- the reports about Jameis Winston. Colbert did go on uh, the fan and say that he, this is now this is obviously before Dalton was released and signed with, with Dallas, but Colbert didn't make it a point to go out and say that. No offers were tendered towards veteran quarterbacks, mm-hmm. whether he was telling the truth or not. I mean, obviously, who knows? But, yeah, um, yeah I think that them getting Dalton as an insurance policy is good there for Dallas. Um, there's a pick that I probably want to wait till later when we talk about a little pick that Frank and I will probably get a nerd out over that Dallas made. I think you'll know what I'm talking about. Right. Um, <laughs> and uh but I think I think maybe I heard that maybe Dallas was kicking the tires on on an edge roster. Maybe someone like Levon and Ch- uh, Chasson from LSU. But once again, like CD Lamb falls in your lap, but you don't you don't make that mistake. Um, maybe because you know this is a Pittsburgh based audience that will listen to this. Um, we probably have to make it known, Frank, that the the Dolphins took Austin Jackson with that Pittsburgh pick from the tackle from USC. So that would that would have been the 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 wheelhouse yeah. where the Steelers would it's have. It's funny drafted. you said that i was just looking at like the 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 dolphins pick from the sealers and, and kind of the four or five picks after it and i am su- super happy with having mick fitzpatrick none of these guys move the needle for me i don't know if we would have who we would have taken if we stayed at 18 in this draft um yeah. a lot of these guys don't really fit a need all the big time and this is what hurts mediocre teams and you see it in baseball I'm going to go on a side rant here, Bronson. So um, bear with me. <laughs> By all means, I do it all the time. Please bear with me. It, it does not pay in any sport these days to finish around the middle of the pack. Because if you're picking in the first round at 18 or 19 or 20, 
you're not getting Jerry Judy, you're not getting CD Lamb, you're not getting Isaiah, like you're not getting any of the good players. You're basically getting second round players at that point. Now, I know I can be proven wrong. There's been a lot of the Steelers got Paul Amalu around there. I mean, you can get great players in the mid to late first round, but you have to kind of look at tanking, which teams do now and and leagues want to prevent tanking. But if you pick 32nd or 21st, there's kind of not much difference. So a lot of teams just would rather tank to get a top five pick than pick 18th every year. And I think under Tomlin, he's never had a losing season. So they've picked probably on average, I would guess that their average first round pick was 20th or 21st in the Tomlin tenure. And you can't get a, it's hard to get a game breaker in that kind of range. The Steelers have been fortunate enough to get a Le'Veon Bell in the second round and Antonio Brown in the sixth, a Juju in the second. They've really drafted well, but to get that like to get that game breaker franchise player, you're not going to get them unless you pick in the top five. And that's been the Pirates problem. Just to jump to baseball for a quick second, the Pirates decade of where they kind of resurfaced, you know, nothing is fine going 81 and 81 every year, but what you have to do in baseball is have a terrible year. Like the Astros compile a bunch of picks and then your world champs, the Cubs did it. The Astros did it. So interesting theory, just to, for our listeners to think about there, do you think that tanking and then for the future is a good thing, or would you rather have your team kind of just be 500 every year? So I don't, Getting back to the point, I don't mind that the Steelers traded out of the first round because if you're picking 18, this year there weren't any late first round sort of game breakers that filled a need for them. So they get a Minka Fitzpatrick for last year and then I believe three more years. I think we'll have to get in. We'll have to get into like uh, some contract talks with him after like the 22 season. But um, so I think it was worth it um, for, for them to trade out of the first round. Yeah, and I think it goes back to, you know, the the, the sports cliche. Like, some teams fall in that – it seems like they always seem to fall in that middle point of, you know, every season, Frank, you know. Finish mediocre, draft mediocre, perform mediocre. It's like a mm-hmm. – it's a it's a vicious cycle there. And a lot of teams – like, it kind of reminds me of, like, I don't want to be, you know, <laughs> the, like like the Philadelphia Flyers of hockey. It's like, other than the occasional year where they get, like, a lottery pick, it's like – they always either miss out on the playoffs or the first round exits. It's like every year you're dropped in mid round. It's like you're you're neither horrible or really good. You're just kind of in the middle. You're just on the on on the fringe there. And so no, I totally get that, and I agree with you, Frank. Uh, I know a lot of people still are a little, um, still a little little uh, not bitter, but wish that Pittsburgh not traded that first round pick. But getting a guy like Mika Fitzpatrick in the year he had, obviously he finishes an all pro. Um, that's fine with me. And, and I think, I think also is magnitude by the fact that, you know, we're going to go into the, some of the Steeler picks here is it the fact that according to the draft experts and, you know, the, the, the football savants that, you know, Pittsburgh really didn't draft anyone that's probably going to help them this year. Mm-hmm. So and I'm sure we're going to get that here in a second. Um, before we get into the Steeler draft, Frank, I mean, unless you want to cover it later, I just want to feel like, um, do you want to jump before we go into the Steeler break down the Steeler picks about some things that shocked you in the draft or or things that um... I did I did want to, uh, a few more first rounders that I wanted to talk about we talked yeah. about the the big names but twenty sixth overall the Packers taking Jordan Love and this has been a this has been a yeah. much, it's been a talked about topic because 
it's a similar situation to Garoppolo and Brady, and even Rogers, Rogers and Favre. Very ironically, Rogers and Favre. So, what are you telling Rogers at thirty-eight or thirty-six, thirty-six years old? Um, that we're drafting your successor. Is he really, and I know Aaron Rodgers' personality. I've seen it in interviews and, and statements he's made. He is not going to want to mentor this kid. And similar, like Ben said with Mason Rudolph, like Ben Roethlisberger was kind of like, eh, he's his own person. I, I'll, I'll teach him what I can teach him, but I'm not going to go out of my way. And Rodgers is not going to do that with love. You draft my replacement. What is that saying? A lot of uh, pundits have come out and said, Rodgers is done in Green Bay. Like he's going to finish because much like Brady, uh, Rogers will finish his career elsewhere, and um, which is sad to see. You'd like to see a guy be a lifetime Packer. I hated seeing Brett Favre in purple and gold and green and white with the Jets. Um, so that's crazy. And a team like the Steelers, the Packers want to win now in this window of Rogers' last couple of years. Draft him a weapon. Now, yeah, late first round. To my point, there wasn't much out there. Um, but to, to get in the late first round, but get him an offensive lineman at least, or get him some a, a play. They didn't there. take a wide receiver in a wide receiver rich draft. Right. They haven't taken <laughs> they they showed that Aaron Rodgers has completed one pass in his career to a first round pick. One I think one pass it was Mercedes Lewis when they picked him up. Touchdown pass, not reception, but touchdown pass. One touchdown pass in his career to a first round pick. So they do not draft him weapons. And it's just, I know he's really upset. It's going to be an interesting year. They did make a pick later on in the draft that I, I'll tease that I like. Um, Green Bay did. Um, but, and then the last pick of the first round, Clyde Edwards Alaire went to the Chiefs, and he's arguably one of the top backs in college football. He was with the national champion LSU Tigers, he was their feature back. Um, and he is a Darren Sproles type back. Um, like five nine or five ten scat, uh, scat back probably can do some returning and um, kind of fill that Kareem Hunt role that's uh, that that they had in KC. Pair him up with uh, Tyreek Hill and some of the other playmakers on that offense. Sneaky good pick for the the Chiefs picking last in the first round, getting one of the top college running backs to to inject into that offense, with, which is already scary. They're already the defending champ, so. Jordan loved the Packers head scratcher. Yes. Can he be the next Mahomes? He's got that, that build, that makeup. We talked about it in one of our earlier shows, but um, I didn't see him going to green Bay. They, they already tried Brett Hundley from, from UCLA a few years ago when Rogers was even younger and uh, that never worked out. He never even became a good backup in the league. So head scratcher. And I'll give a thumbs up to the cheese for Edwards Alaire, but that wraps up my feelings on the first, on the first round Bronson. If you have any um, go ahead, if not, we'll get into the, uh, what the Steelers did. No, I mean, um, it just, yeah. I mean, for me, it was definitely the trading up for, for Jordan love, especially when they traded up over guys, teams that, that weren't going to take a quarterback. Uh, unless they felt that someone would try to trade, you know, a la Baltimore trading back into the first round, uh, what, two years ago to get Lamar Jackson. Unless they felt like that was going to happen. Uh, obviously, I don't think Kansas City was going to move there. Obviously, they got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That's that's a hell of a pick. And then you're giving Andy Reid a big, another another juicy toy to play with on that offense. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, um, I, I was like, I guess we kind of covered it earlier. I mean, um, Wart's falling. Um, that was probably a big thing, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the lineman. 
Um, first round, I mean, we didn't really touch on uh, Justin Herbert going to, uh, I almost said San Diego, uh, <laughs> LA Chargers. Um, obviously, that's the pick there. Um, I know there were some rumors that uh, this, um, Miami was, uh, even before they took two at Tagovailoa, they were trying to throw the house at, a, at, at Cincinnati to move up to number one. They probably, you know, wanted Burrow, but once they realized that Burrow was not going to be the pick, you know, they got the guy that they've been they've been uh, pining for for the last couple years, and that's uh, Tua Tagovailoa. I'd love um, to hear the offer, like, later on, uh, years later, you hear the, um, well, I, I think it happened with, was it Ditka and the Saints traded every single pick for Ricky Williams? They traded the entire draft for Ricky Williams, yeah. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> Obviously, I, I like the Cesar Ruiz draft pick for the Saints and seeing how excited he was when he got drafted. Um, his uh, his dad is a, is a monster, but uh, the only center taken. There weren't yeah. many centers. Um, I thought Minnesota. Obviously, they they um, they um, where was that? At? I know they well, maybe in the, in the second round pick. I know, I know they drafted a a receiver to uh, accommodate the. Um, Oh yeah, they took um Justin Jefferson. I knew I thought it was, I knew it was in the first round. They took Justin Jefferson from LSU. To obviously, the, the pick they got from Buffalo when they sent uh, Stephon Diggs to Buffalo. Um, so they fill that they fill that gap up there pretty quick. Um, first round was I, I, honestly Frank. My the, the second round, I, I I think the Colts quietly had a really good draft. Getting Pittman Jr., getting uh the kid uh, Taylor from Wisconsin. Uh, I thought those are two very, very sneaky picks by the Indianapolis Colts. Got to give it up to um, to to Ballard, the GM, and uh, Frank Reich, the head coach. There, I mean, they're really building something there, and they can get they can take one year of Philip Rivers, try to hope that something happens there. You know, get get a, a decent year, and then you know, put yourself in position to to draft the the heir apparent. Maybe Easton's the guy. Who knows? He was a little bit later in the draft, um, but. I thought the Colts, those two picks there, you, you got Pittman, Pittman Jr. And, um, and, and and Jonathan Taylor. I like that a lot. I thought the Xavier McKinney pick uh, redeemed the Giants a little bit because the Giants kind of yeah. reached for Andrew Thomas was not the highest rated tackle, and they went for him fourth overall instead of Werfs or instead of a, an Isaiah Simmons or anybody. Um, but in the second round, they get Xavier McKinney, a safety from Alabama, and he's same position, same college, Minka Fitzpatrick. They're calling him kind of a comp. Um, I saw a lot of draft boards have Xavier McKinney in the top 15 and he falls to 36 and the giants get him there. The steal and one pick before that, the lions getting Deandre Swift, the running back from Georgia. We've seen Georgia kind of become running back. You um, lately producing Sony, Michelle, um, Todd Gurley. And uh, one more name escapes me. There's I, I think a fourth. Um, if you think of it, let me know. But uh Running back from Georgia, he's actually from Pennsylvania, from the eastern part of the state, St. Joe's Prep, I believe, high school. Um, I remember seeing him play in high school. Penn State was uh, down to the final two with Georgia, and DeAndre Swift picked Georgia and had to sit and wait behind Sonny Michelle and, and Gurley and all those guys. So um, he, he goes to the Lions, and they haven't had a really good running back in a long time. I know they had uh, Abdullah uh some good fantasy running backs because they caught passes. But um, I think that the, the Lions get a bruising running back to maybe pound the football and open things up for Matt Stafford. I like that pick. Um, I th- There's a lot of talent in the second round. Um, 
the 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 Browns get Grant Delpit, the top defensive back from uh, in the nation, at forty four overall from LSU. So the second round was almost as interesting as the first. I don't know if you see any picks that stand out there. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with you on those. Um, I was just kind of looking to see, you know, I was just kind of looking to see team guys that adjust needs. Um, yeah, I'm just. Kind of wanted to jump into the Steelers, Steeler picks here, kind of really break those down. I mean, uh, one thing I will say, um, not to go deep late in the draft, but I have to say it, I'm excited, or, not, or at least a, a fun fact. Uh, it was the seventh round, Frank, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, they selected Ben DiNucci from uh, couldn't, Jason. I Edison. couldn't believe it. Yep. <laughs> the former, he actually the got drafted. Yeah. Went to Pitt. We were all excited because uh, I actually, my cousin played for Pine Richland. Um, and always, he was a quarterback for Pine, Pine Richland and, uh, he sat, he had to sit behind Danucci and then Djurkovich and, um, he got, he got into a few games his senior year due to Djurkovich being injured and had some great games. But, uh, so I know a lot about the Pine Richland quarterbacks because I follow him and Danucci from Pine Richland. I was hoping for him him to go to Pitt. He originally signed on for university of Pennsylvania an Ivy league school. Um, but last minute change to Pitt. Came here, played against Penn State uh, when Max Brown got hurt, got into that game and looked okay, but never really got his uh, got his his feet wet at Pitt. Never really got a shot and um, transferred to to a lower level, but a powerhouse, James Madison at the 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 level the FCS level uh, was eligible right away because there's no uh, wait period when you jump levels and uh, carved out a pretty good career there. Went to some national title games there. Um, and parlayed it into a draft. So congrats. Uh, shout out to Ben DiNucci from, from Pine Richland, PA. Um, hopefully he gets a chance to make a practice squad at worst. Or, uh, you know, I don't think they'll dress three quarterbacks. So it's going to yeah. be Dak, Dak and Dalton. But uh, Dak, Dalton, DiNucci, the triple D down in Big yeah. D. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ha- happy to see it. Maybe he lands somewhere if it's not Dallas or gets on a practice squad, gets to have a little bit of a career. Yeah, Dave uh, Jackson, the corner the corner from uh, from Pitt, went to the Buffalo only, Bills. Only Pitt Panther draft, but we'll see you next year's draft because they're gonna have Pitt's gonna poise for a good season and uh, draft a lot of guys next year. Yeah. But it was kind of a quiet draft for Pitt, yeah. And uh, sad sad news from my boy Roland Rivers the third. Didn't hear his name called. Yeah, did I get his name called? As of right now, has not signed with the team as an undrafted free agent. But uh, here's a shout out to you, my man. Keep grinding, keep hustling, uh, just keep working at it. Hopefully, some injuries prop up. Teams might give them a call, so there's still a shot. Get a practice squad gig. Yeah, absolutely. So, so keep keep your head up, my man. Keep grinding hard, and uh, hopefully you'll get you'll get an opportunity here in the in the National Football League. All right, Frankie. Um, oh, you know, one thing too, before we jump to, I know we've been kind of pushing things back here. I think we'd be doing our audience a disservice if we didn't break down the shock thing. Like, uh, the shock second round pick. I clearly we're recording this episode late at night, around nine, I know it's 10 o'clock here, so I know I'm my wits about me. How did I friggin' miss Jalen Hurts, <laughs> yeah. the Philadelphia Eagles? How did we miss that? That was the big, that was the jaw dropper in the second round. Eagles going off of what people thought. To address some needs, and you hear the name Jalen Hurts, quarterback, Oklahoma via Alabama. Uh, is this the future? Is this the the the, the Taysom Hill project model mm-hmm. that other teams are going to go with? Um, 
Obviously, the uh, Eagles brass said they are 100% committed to to Carson Wentz, but they felt that you know Jalen Hurts could give them that that Taysom Hill feel, but, and they could use them through di- different situations on the field as well. Maybe even sharing sharing the the field with with, with Carson on certain packages. So, Frank, what was your reaction when uh, when you heard that pick by the commissioner? Definitely shocked. I mean, to use your to use your second round pick where you could fill so many other needs. Um, it was shocking. And it, 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 is it going to be like, maybe they're going to be the geniuses that figure this out, but you know, most teams are kind of going the route of trying to draft a young stud and then signing a veteran backup. But maybe teams are going to try to draft a, a young stud and back him up with a younger, almost stud and like have an insurance policy. If your stud gets hurt, you kind of have a young kind of similar version it, we've kind of seen it in free agency where Marcus Mariota goes to uh, there. I did it. Okay. There it is. That's Marcus it Mariota. Man. There's my man right we there. We need to have a jar where we put money in. Marcus Mariota goes to Vegas with the Raiders to back up a, a similar aged, similar talented Derek Carr. And are the are a lot of teams going to try to go these like two similar age college star quarterbacks because of the injury scare, or will we start seeing just split duties? Like you said, Jalen Hurts might get on the field in goal line packages, wildcat packages, be on the field at the same time as Wentz, Philly specials all over the place, Philly, Philly, um, but like I. I almost like the pick because you can limit the snaps for Carson Wentz. Um, say, I mean, I'm just throwing a number out there. 16 games, 50 times a game, maybe the seven, 800 dropbacks a year that he's going to make. If you can limit that to like five, 600, you're, you're just increasing your odds of keeping him fresh for the playoffs, healthier, um, avoid the injuries. I've been saying this with Ben for a long time. When we had Michael Vick and Ben was, and they both overlapped when they were both healthy, I was saying you get Ben off the field and put Vick in five, 10 plays a game because those add up in the aggregate over the long haul yeah. to 100, 200 less snaps a year for Ben. Just keep them healthier. I, I like it in hockey to jump sports a little bit late in the year. Give a healthy scratch to to Sid or Gino if you're already sewed up your 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 playoff positioning. Load you know, management, as they say in NBA. <laughs> load management. I don't mind it. I mean, I know there's ticket people paying tickets to see these guys, so it, it's a slippery slope. But if you can limit some snaps for Wentz, um, who I do feel bad for though is Wentz and Hurts because Wentz has now got to look over his shoulder. And Jalen Hurts has to be this part-time gadget Cordell Stewart type thing that, you know, we all learned that Cordell didn't like being slashed. You want to be the guy. So it might hurt Hurts. That's hard to say there. No pun intended. <laughs> it might hurt Hurts' chance to like be a starter, get a starting gig and and, and ha- carve out the career he wants because he's this gadget player I, until until obviously free agency where he could he could choose to go wherever he wants and maybe start. But the first four or five years of his career, unless Wentz does get hurt, it's going to going to kind of be this gadget player. And um, so but I feel bad, the most bad for Wentz and Hurts because they both kind of have weird situations there. I hope they make, can make the best of it. Yeah. And uh, it's like you said, Frankie, you know, 
Wentz is always going to have to look over his shoulder, not even by the coaching staff, really, but, you know, the pressure from the, you know how the media pressures. And the, the Philly media. fans. Yeah, the Philly fans. <laughs> the worst fans in the sports. Same, the, the, the same fan base that booed Santa Claus and booed Donovan McNabb when he was drafted. Cheered I mean, Michael Irvin breaking his back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did do that. Um, yeah, it's just like, you know, Carson Wentz, you know, has got to feel that pressure, but I think Michael Wobot was on Dan Patrick's show this past week, and you know, you know, me and you in high school, we still Michael Wolbaum precision. Your boy, your boy, yeah. Carson Wentz, your boy. Guess how many passes he's thrown in an NFL playoff game? Is it a goose egg? <laughs> one. One. <laughs> one pass. One career pass in the playoffs. The dude can't stay healthy. And, I, and then, and, and I thought, you know, um, I thought a good fit for Jalen Hurts. And obviously I'm not reinventing the wheel or making some big dynamic statement, but I thought Jalen Hurts would have fit perfectly. Maybe not, obviously they would not have taken them in the second round because, well, Ozzie Newsom is a very smart, you know, football executive, but Baltimore would have been a perfect fit for Jalen Hurts. Something happens to Lamar Jackson, you know, it's a plug and play. Player, yeah. Similar kind of player. But, uh, but um, yeah, I mean, they, is this, is this foreshadowing what the future is about, like you said, are you going to get the veteran? Instead of getting the veteran, you just get the younger, the younger, more upside stud there. And, you know, mm-hmm. that way you have equity in that in that pick. It's yes. not just a, a filler pick. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, for sure, very shocked that that happened. But I feel like every year we get like one of those shocks. Like, what the yeah. hell pick was that? I would say Jalen Hurts is probably the, but uh, Jordan Love to um, Jordan Love the Green Bay was number one, but Jalen Hurts to Philadelphia was very very close behind it. Well, Bronson, we've got off got <laughs> off track a little bit. For, so much for, for keeping this, this show I short know. this week. <laughs> All right. We got to get into our bread and butter, our Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, if you're li- if you're listening nationally and you want to go grab a drink or something, now's the time. But we're Bronson and I are big Pittsburgh sports fans. Um, a lot of our listening our base is here in western Pennsylvania. So we're gonna we're gonna break down the Steelers draft. Only six picks this year. Um obviously we mentioned we traded away our first round pick. Um, uh, to trade up a few times, I think we cost ourselves a few other picks. So we only, only ended up with six. Um, I will give our, our grades on each player and then kind of an overall grade. So we'll kind of do an alternating here, Bronson. I will uh, give you the honors of breaking down the Steelers' first pick, and it was in the second round, uh, 49th overall, wide receiver from Notre Dame, Chase Claypool. What do you think of the game tape? What do you think of the pick? Does it address a need? Todd, Todd, Todd. I feel like, I feel like <laughs> Todd McShay. By the way, before I get into Big it, hands. Yes, big hands. <laughs> big shout out to Todd McShay. Obviously, he's probably not listening to the show at all. <laughs> Hope he's doing well. Uh, uh, he was not the draft, obviously, because he had he got you know the coronavirus. So yes. we we get to miss the uh, the Mel Kiper Todd 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 you know Todd Todd McShay going off. But yeah, the Chase Claypool pick. I mean, I gotta watch how I say this because my man Gino M, uh, my friend Gino went to Slippery Rock with diehard Notre Dame fan loves this pick, and uh, <laughs> I, I like it. I mean, I think not only. He'll probably see the field this year in a, in a limited role, I would have to say. Obviously, you have Juju, um, Deontay Johnson, and um, Mike Washington. Uh, did Mike, Mike Washington James. Yeah, right? James Washington. Sorry. The Alacoba guy and Mike Washington. Uh, James <laughs> Washington from Oklahoma State. So, yeah, I'm errors galore tonight. Um, but, uh, yeah, he'll probably see a field in a very limited stance. Obviously, Frank, there's been the rumors that they might bulk him up a little bit and move him with tight end to give Ben another uh, 
tight end look there with Vance McDonald and the two tight set there maybe in certain situations. But the dude's got size. The dude's got speed. Um, obviously, they could have addressed other needs more importantly. But And like I said, as I mentioned earlier in the broadcast, that the biggest critique was that they didn't address uh, um, you know, the running back position there in the second round. Um, I would have liked J.K. Dobbins here personally. And the fact that Baltimore got J.K. Dobbins, of course, makes it hurt is, more. Is the yeah. old kick, the, the kick to the crotch there? Salt so wound, yeah, yeah. So, um, but I, I'm, not, I'm not. I don't hate the pick. I mean, when the Steelers take wide receivers, for the most part, I don't. I they don't work out. Yeah, yeah, I don't critique the pick. Um, the kid's got speed to burn. The kid's got obviously great size. This guy battles for the ball. That's one thing I kept mm-hmm. hearing and seeing in footage. And I'm not trying to, you know, I'm no, I'm no better than McShay Kuyper or Daniel Jeremiah, but I just every everything I saw of him was just that this dude could battle for the football. And you know what? I don't care about separation. If you could fight like he can for a football, you can have all the separate, you know, the lack of separation you want. This mm-hmm. guy comes down with the pigskin. That's who I want. If 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 it's a pick for down the line, I know a lot of rumors are circulating. I know. Um, Ed Bouchette of the Athletic did say that he doesn't think that Juju will come back after next year. Could this be a, a fill-in for Juju? Um, I, I, I agree. I feel the same way. I think Juju's working his way out of here, but but yeah. for now, for now, it gives us a, a, a nice wide receiver room. If I had to get, I guess, if we're gonna put grades on stuff, that's the cool thing to do nowadays. Yeah. Uh, give it, a, give it a B, a solid B. I'll jump in, Bronson. I, I just on on Claypool. Um, I like the pick too, and I was I, I was a little bit like, who who is that? I never really heard of him. I don't watch a lot of Notre Dame football, um, even though they are on every week. But um, I do like the fact that he's that hybrid tight end wide receiver. He appears on film to look like a tight end, and what I think the biggest thing he brings to the fold is red zone efficiency and the Steelers really lacked in that last year he gives Ben another big target like you said he goes up and gets the ball he's physical Um, he has more speed than a tight end but he kind of has more size than a receiver so Steelers have always been enamored with Gronk they've been trying to find the linebacker that can stop Gronk and they've they've tried to find the hybrid wide receiver tight end that can be like Gronk. We tried with, with Vance McDonald. I'm glad we, the Eric Ebron signing is a good signing. Um, but you look at our weapons now and you talked about running back. We have injury prone running back, James Connor, who we all, you and I, we know we root for him from Pitt. His great story. If he can stay healthy, I think he can be great. He did make a pro bowl. Um, so, if, but wide receiver tight end pass catchers. Um, you mentioned them. Juju. Washington, Deontay Johnson, a budding star. Um, now Claypool, and now your tight end group is McDonald, Ebron, and you you drafted a Zach Gentry last year, um, so you still have him in the fold. They did lose Nick Vanette. I think that was just a rental, um, but that's no real loss there. But um, I, I, I like the pick. I think he can be a good red zone target, grow with the offense. He might not have great numbers this first year, but, you know, look for him to break out later on. So I give I give the pick a B as well. I, I agree with you there. Yeah. And I guess we go into the, the other pick here, Alex Highsmith, the, uh, the defensive end slash outside linebacker, edge guy from, uh, from mm-hmm. Charlotte of all places. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, they, I'll take this one, Bronson, and then I'll get do. your thoughts. 
I'll get your thoughts after we can we can kind of both chime in on these players. Um, but I'll go first. Uh, Highsmith once again. I, I I said who you know Charlotte really. But then you start seeing the tape and you hear some of the experts. Charlotte actually had a tough schedule. They they went out and they played Clemson and they played Tennessee. And in Highsmith's uh, final season there. Uh, he actually kind of dominated those two teams. And if you can go into the SEC and and then the Clemson like that and uh, and, and kind of have your way with their with their right or left tackles, um, you know you got talent. And what I see from him, and I made this comparison and I didn't hear anybody else make it, but I, I see Lamar Woodley because Lamar Woodley's a player that played some outside linebacker. Um, for the Steelers, but played some edge D end at Michigan in college uh, with, with a hand on the ground and a four three. So, you know, Tomlin loves position flexibility. It's a phrase he loves. So I see Highsmith possibly playing on the D line and, and then also playing some linebacker. So, and he also is Bud Dupree insurance because Bud Dupree most likely is going to play out his final year on the franchise tag. And this high Smith is a potential to battle for the, the second outside linebacker spot. We know TJ Watts going to get the money and uh, they're going to back up the Brinks trucks for him. Hopefully it coincides with Ben uh, retiring and we can just throw a lot of money at TJ Watt, but high Smith might be the guy on the other side when Dupree's gone. Um, the talents there. He did have some good games against high competition he explodes off the snap. He, he's a quick trigger um, from what I see in the tape. Like you said, I'm no expert, but um, I, I see that he has a quick first move and he's strong. So that combination of strength and speed um, to get him in the third round, 102 overall, um, I, I like it. Um, I think he's a guy. He's a project, though. He's going to take a while. Uh, we do have the luxury of having Watt and Dupree and Devin Bush on the inside. Um that he's not going to be expected to be the playmaker. So give him a couple years to see how it goes. But I give that pick an A minus. I'll give that up into the A's just because I, I like what I see on film. And I trust what the experts say on him being able to have great games, small sample size, but great games against Clemson and Tennessee, possibly a division one, you know, high power five talent, maybe for whatever reason ended up at Charlotte. But um, I, I see potential in that pick. I'll let you give your thoughts on High Smith now, Bronson. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, yeah, for a guy who played at a small school like Charlotte, he did play some of the tougher competition in college football. Obviously, you mentioned Tennessee and Clemson, uh, uh, the SEC, and the club Clemson part of the ACC. So top talented competition there. And the fact that he, he did, as you said, you know, was able to effectively work over their their offensive tackles there. Um, I, I feel like this pick is very much a Tomlin pick. Like, not that I have any inside information or anything like that. I feel like this is a guy that like Tomlin's like, okay, this is the guy I want. A guy who's very sentimental to look to you know smaller school guys with, with huge upside. Um, uh, I just, I'm kind of with you, Frank. It, it's also an insurance policy. Uh, I don't think anyone foresees Bud Dupree coming back after this year. He said the franchise tender. I'm um, going to play one year. Obviously, um, I think TJ Watt will probably stay in Pittsburgh, but obviously, they, as you mentioned, they're going to have to, as you say, back the Brinks truck up to, to, to keep him. So, and, and edge rushers like this caliber 
I mean, you can always find ways to get them on the field, even if they're not necessarily no, number one on the death chart. You can always sneak them in there. You said a a minus. Eh, I guess I'd be inclined to go with that position there. Um, I guess I give I give it probably a B plus. I I, I guess I, I I'm judging it as whether they can help this year. I'm sure I said they could probably help at some point this year, but we know the Steelers don't like to. They don't like to thrust rookies right into the limelight right away unless you're a top of the line rookie like uh, you know Bush was last year. Um, so yeah, I would probably give it a solid, solid BB plus there. And then we move on, Frank. Uh, the the hoi polloi of Steeler Nation was planning that they get some sort of, of of running back coming out of this draft that could maybe offset maybe losing uh, James Conner if he's down to injury. But they got a little diminutive little fella. Uh, from from the Terps, the Terrapins, and hopefully Anthony McFarlane didn't hear me just call him a little fella. He doesn't try to come fight me, but uh, yeah, he. I guess he's. I feel like Tomlin's always kind of uh, had a fascination for a little guy. Maybe he, you know he's seen a lot of Dexter McCluster footage or Darren Sproles, and they've tried this project before. Frank, obviously, Dre Archer and 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 Chris Rainey. They've they right was it the right rainy? Did I get the right rainy? Yeah. 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 They've always tried to get that little guy in there and, and try to, you know, open that offense up. Maybe Anthony McFarlane is the guy that they've always wanted to finally have found, but <clears throat> I, he does have talent. I know other teams are looking at him as well when I was watching the broadcast of the draft. So uh, I'll give this, uh, I'll give this for where they, for they, for they got him. Uh, I'll give it a, I'll give it a solid B. Um, I guess I'm kind of being lazy and giving up B's, but, <laughs> uh, he's a guy that you know. Uh, maybe he'll help on special teams too. It's not like the Steelers yeah. have anyone on fire on special teams. So we've you know, been looking for return. a kick returner, punt returner forever. So yeah, yeah, I think he can. He fills the void there. Then and then maybe the pick itself is worth it. And then if Connor doesn't come back, you know, and uh, you know if Connor doesn't come back, and maybe he's a he's a complimentary piece if Benny Snell takes a step to the next level. I like to pick, I mean, Bronson just, uh, he is a kind of a guy where once again, Steeler fans were left saying who, um, we all love to hear those names that we remember from college, but you know, yeah, you, you can find a diamond in the rough. I, I did like the, the tape they showed on him. A lot of explosion, um, really hits the hole and Steeler running backs. We kind of fell in love with Le'Veon and then Connor kind of tries to imitate Le'Veon is they kind of dance around and try to, they're patient, but McFarlane, and there's good to that, but McFarlane really, he boom hits the hole and he's gone. And he, he, he hits the hole quick and he brings it to the house. There's a lot of there, even against Ohio state, good competition. Um, he's got a lot of uh, runs where he takes it to distance. And I don't think there's a back in the Steelers, uh, locker room that has that ability to to break a run to the, for to the end zone. So if this guy eventually starts getting carries, he's that guy that like has that big play potential every time he touches the ball. How it's going to shake out, I don't know. You have Connor as the starter if he's healthy. Benny Snell, they kind of want to slate in as that power short yardage back. Yeah. Um, even though I think Connor is more suited for that. But if you want to save Connor's body a little bit you use Snell for that power role and then you got Jalen Samuels in the fold uh, also where he's that kind of catch the ball out of the backfield back um, 
And then your fourth guy is going to be this McFarlane. We saw that fourth running back rotate between like a Kareth White and a few other no names that they brought in after injuries last year, some scrap heap guys. But um, I'm I'm happy with a solid four man running back rotation of Connor, Snell, Samuels, and this new McFarland. Um, not like you said, rookies aren't going to play much. He's not going to get many carries. I hope to see him on special teams a little bit with his speed um, returning and even on defensive special teams as well. Um, so the pick excites me. And, you know, down the road, if we lose Samuels, we lose a Snell or Connor, that gosh, God forbid, not another injury or he goes elsewhere. Um, McFarland could kind of wait his his time and and be uh, get more of the lion's share carries in years to come. No impact this year, probably not a huge impact unless he just wows everybody at camp and in the preseason. But um, which a lot of Steeler fans were mad about. We didn't do much this year with our six picks to help us win this year or next year. And the final two years of Ben, we really didn't make that you know get better now pick. Um, but. I can't knock. I will give the McFarland pick a C plus, just because I think it's a longer term kind of thing, and it doesn't help us right away. So I, I not a bad pick, but I give it a C. Yeah, and uh, we go into the the 135th pick, and you get to the lower the lower picks here, Frank. And here's where the this is where the GMs make the money right here. Mm-hmm. These low picks and. Kevin Dotson, the guard, and you got the, you got the, the, the as Lee Corso, you say the NCAA game, the, the big uglies. Yep. You know, you got you get this guy here. This you set the foundation, try to improve a maybe uh, not great but good offensive line. Um, I, the guy comes as advertised. I mean, there's only really not much more. To, I mean, and I've seen a little bit of film on him. Obviously, what they showed at ESPN, but I'm not mm-hmm. like you know, I'm not breaking down his film. I know a lot yeah. of my friends who are who are film rats who know everything about this guy. Probably know what kind of car he drives. But um, and I thought it was good. I mean, I thought they definitely needed to adjust the offensive line. I think a lot of people maybe thought they should have did it even with an earlier pick. Mm-hmm. But they do here. They get Kevin Dotson. Uh, this this guy has a lot of upside. Uh, I'm gonna give this an A minus. I think this is a uh, maybe being a former offensive line myself, I'm a little <laughs> endearing myself to this pick. But uh, I like the Kevin Dotson. It might be my, one of my favorite picks of the draft. Obviously, outside of uh, Chase Claypool. But uh, yeah, I, I give it an A minus. I like the pick, Bronson. Um, obviously, I won't admit. I won't. I won't say that I knew anything about the guy. Uh, another small school kid like Highsmith. Um, he played at Louisiana Lafayette, and. Um, so lower level of competition. I'm not sure if they played any, you know, big time teams and he did well against any higher competition. But what I know about him is I heard he got one of the top awards for top offensive linemen in the country. So I think he was on some of those um those, those award lists at the end of the year. So you know he's gotta be good to to get mentioned with some of those bigger school kids. And it addressed a need because you saw in the offseason Ramon Foster retired. So right away, you replace Foster on the roster. Foster on the roster. You replace, <laughs> we had Hertz Hurt and Foster on the roster. Um, with, with a younger, cheaper um, Kevin Dotson, um, a guy that can learn from a David DeCastro, um, slide into the right guard post eventually. Uh, I believe DeCastro is the left guard. 
Um, so yeah. you, you, you slide Dotson into right guard eventually. I don't know if it's right away because uh, we signed Wisniewski, the local kid that finally gets to play for his hometown team, uh, live out the dream from Penn State. And I forget, uh, Central Catholic? Yeah, Central Catholic and Penn State, Stefan Wisniewski, big free agent signing, 31 years old, um, been with Kansas City and Philadelphia. I hope he gets so. a start, Frank. I know a lot of rumors is that they may – they may clear the way for Chooks to get that spot, but wow, Chooks a core for yeah. The guy, the guy, the guy won. The guy won Kansas City a Super Bowl and he was part of the right. Eagles Super Bowl team too. This exactly, you gotta go. You go, you go Wisniewski, and you you have Dotson learn behind him, and uh, it, it's offensive line depth. It replaces Foster, who retired. Uh, he comes in young and cheap. Um, I give that pick an A. I think that was solid to, to get a player like that in the fourth round. The Steelers had him on their watch list. Um, I, I believe they, they had him identified early on that they really wanted him. So um, don't know everything about the guy, but I know he was up for one of the, the top awards for offensive linemen and um, definitely fills a need. So thumbs up on that pick. Uh, I'll toss this next one to you, Bronson. I don't know anything about this kid, Antoine Brooks. Um, I, I believe in the fifth round, 198th, um, another Maryland player. So the Steelers liked Maryland this year. They get McFarland at uh, at, at 124, and then Brooks, uh, his Maryland teammate, probably they're probably going to be roommates in camp, um, which helps both of them some familiarity. But uh, what do you, Antoine Brooks, just filling a need, uh, just some depth in the second, yeah. not much star potential, but. I, I was kind of with you. I mean, yeah, I'm like this, that makes both of us. I don't know a whole lot about Anton Brooks. I mean, as long as he addresses a need, I'm sure he'll be there for depth. Maybe a good special teams guy, gunner or something. I, yeah. I, I'm really at this point, this is the part where I have to go to my audience and say, hey, I don't know a whole lot about this guy. Maybe, maybe for, you know, if we do this next year, we have the podcast, we, we bring a, we bring in a, a college football NFL draft nerd and yeah. break these picks down. Maybe we'll be so, Frank, maybe we'll be so mainstream at the time we can get like Daniel Jeremiah on or something. Yes, I don't know. <laughs> well, but... to be honest, though, Bronson, even ESPN, they're they're showing like these picks roll in, and they're not even talking about some of these guys at that point. They're just putting the name up on the screen. Steelers picked Antoine Brooks, and they really don't even break them down much. So we're not alone. I mean, we just got to cross our fingers and hope uh, Colbert and the like. Uh, did their homework and see something, you know, obviously Antonio Brown, Tom Brady, um, the list goes on and on of late round picks that become Hall of Famers. So um, probably not going to have much to say. Also, we'll wrap it up. Carlos Davis in the sixth round, um, a defensive lineman. So the Steelers spread out their picks. Well, they pick six different positions, um, a, a receiver, an edge rusher, a running back, a guard, a safety, and a and a, and a defensive lineman. So I guess they kind of picked two defensive linemen. Highsmith's more of a linebacker. Um, they they kind of addressed some depth. Uh, they got younger. Um, so we won't really we won't waste your time and, and break down Carlos Davis. But that having been said, we gave some A's, some B's. I gave a C. Um, overall draft grade, I'm going to give the Steelers a B. It is the safe answer. Um, I would have given them a higher grade if they got a stud player that helps them win now. But, hey, they could prove me wrong, and one of these guys could be huge next year. So we'll, we'll yeah. hope for that. And to end this, you know, like, you know, Frank and I are trying to break down you know, the sixth and seventh round picks, the guys. Yeah. Um, I would give the Steelers probably a, a B or a B minus. Although they have a lot of guys who could probably help them 
in a couple years, but probably not. Uh, maybe the occasional Claypool gets on the field a package. McFarlane helps special teams. But other than that, probably not guys that can help him this year. But uh, one of the sneaky things I liked about the draft this weekend, and you only caught this this uh, audio gem by Daniel Jeremiah if you were listening to the later rounds. Uh, the Dolphins drafted, I guess, uh, this kid Ferguson, the long snapper from LSU. His brother plays for the Dolphins, or not the Dolphins, he plays for another, the Bills maybe or something, but they're the family of long snappers. And <laughs> let's just say Trey Wingo stumps Daniel <laughs> Jeremiah here. I got to play this for our audience. This is courtesy ESPN's coverage of the draft. And Daniel Jeremiah just trying to figure out what to say about drafting a long snapper. Hold on. In the family here, uh, this guy, uh, Trey, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I've got background notes on him as a player from my sources at LSU. Uh, and in terms of the play notes, I'm not going to give you any because I didn't spend any time watching long snappers because I might not have much of a life, but it's not that bad. Uh, so this guy was on <laughs> <laughs> At least he's honest. <laughs> he was just like, you know what, Trey? I don't know. <laughs> I never, I'm not, in, I'm not that deep into this. So that's our Frank and our, our, us are, you know, breaking down later picks like this. Uh, maybe we'll, you know, we're going to expand this podcast, you know, you know, as, as COVID lifts and things like that happen, we're going to have guests on and I'm sure uh-huh. notes of Frank and I, as, as much as we love the draft, yeah, we're not able to break down sixth and seventh round picks. We'll bring we'll bring we'll bring someone on that can do that. But uh, I'm yeah, glad you think... said that real quick, Bronson. I'm glad you said that because one of our I know both of us have a vision of kind of spinoff episodes where we have callers and we have just one topic the whole time. Yeah, um, possibly like a hockey show, a baseball show, a draft show. Um, where we call, we have, we know uh, friends of ours, Ryan Schaefer, Dan Strohecker, um, my friends, Ryan Percival, uh, Jay Cortez that listen. Um, Matt Clark is a listener. Uh, Bronson and I know well. Um, we'd love Barnsie. to have you. We got, we got Barnsie. Barnsie. Listen, before we move, uh, I got to give you one question. Are the Pirates, if the, if baseball gets going, he's been nagging me for two weeks to ask you this. I'm sorry, <laughs> folks, I got to ask you this. Are, should the Pirates give Melky Cabrera another chance to just bring him back on another deal? He is all about Melky Cabrera coming back. I I thought he had a good year, and it was a nice story, but I think a year older at this point, I don't think there's room. Sorry, Bardsy. I don't think there's room in the clubhouse <laughs> for Melky. Maybe if he retires, make him a coach. But um, the Milkman, I don't, it, it was one and done. I think the Pirates, they have a, enough young guys in the outfield where you're going to get more benefit from having a Jason Martin on the 26-man roster or you, you still go out and sign somebody younger that's still out there. But I, I think I think we've seen the last of Melky sort of to dash the hopes of Barnsley there. <laughs> there you go, Barnsley. I took care of you. Now now we now we resume. But no, yeah, Frank, you're right. I mean, we would obviously with COVID nineteen, these have, have kind of derailed these uh from happening from taking place right now. Maybe I guess you could say we probably could do it with things, but we're just trying to give this as a way of, for people to get through the you know the the pandemic. And trust me, even when sports comes back, Frank and I are still going to fit, fit these shows in because they're just too juicy to not to not indulge. And a lot of our friends have asked about coming on the show or especially or want to you know contribute, and they're more than happy. We're more than happy to have them on and then have them put their input as well. Um, you know, the, the Penguins, of course, I'm really looking forward to seeing the most, but 
or listening to, I guess. But um, but yeah, Frank, you're right, you know. But yeah, it's, yeah I just I just had to do that apology to our fan, you know, our listening audience. Sorry, Frank and I can't uh, can't go on for five minutes about a seventh round pick. So. Right. <laughs> With we all- also we get long in the tooth. We get close to the two hour mark, and we're like, man, is this thing going to be over yet? Bronson and I, as you say, have the gift of gab. So <laughs> well, I think this is cool too, Frank. And I know we're, we're running really long shows, and, and if that's something you guys don't want to see, you know, just let us know. Obviously, the forums we've presented, but I think right. it's cool too. You don't necessarily have to listen to us in one setting. You maybe you know a couple chunk days, it up, you know? yeah, yeah. And you we just- don't even care if you fast forward through stuff. If you find one, one of the things I want to do is give timestamps of the topics because then our listeners can. Somebody suggested me this. I think it was Ryan, my my good friend Ryan Percival. Um, I think he suggested put timestamps in the comments. And so people can jump to that topic. So I, I might work on that. I, I got to have a pen and paper with me where we transition, but that's a good idea for next show. Maybe. Absolutely. So I, I do want to say we are getting towards the end. We're going to have to table. We are going to talk about ESPN's docu-series, the last dance Bronson and I admittedly haven't seen every episode. So we're going to try to catch up and give you more of our thoughts we on the, Jordan by the next episode. Yeah. That- because a lot of fans are watching that and want to get our thoughts and and share their thoughts in the comments but the last dance i I, it's been it's really well produced it's such an in-depth look at behind the curtain of of sports locker rooms and one of the greatest dynasties of all time and one of the greatest players in michael jordan so we're going to talk about that we're going to have updates on what what the sports are doing um as far as opening the next time we we gather and um and, and all and break down which sport's going to open when and how Um, we will not be leaving you quite yet. We still have our final thoughts. It's a little segment Bronson and I like to do where we kind of get up on the soapbox, as we say, and we pick a topic could be anything from the world of sports (coughs) um, that's been going on anything in, in the news, uh, that strikes a chord with Bronson and I. So uh, the final thoughts tonight, I'm going to tee up Bronson. He's going to go first, and I believe it's NASCAR-related, Bronson. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I asked Frank to go first on this because mine's going to be a little more serious. Okay. Uh, Frank, Frank, Frank will put a, a bow on it with the positivity and the happiness at the end. Um, yeah. uh, last episode, uh, to the audience here, I, I really hyped uh, iRacing and, and what NASCAR and Fox you know, and other networks were doing to make iRacing – um, you know, try to build that brand of you know people who want to do i racing. Not to mention giving these racers something to do uh, with them not able to be in cars during the the COVID pandemic. So a lot of these uh, races have been on Fox, and a lot of them have either been streamed on like your your Mixer, your Twitch, like game uh, video game broadcasting apps uh, as well. So I've talked about the positivity of of, of esports in terms of i racing and whatnot. Um, I'm not going to just. I'm not going to give our audience one side of this. I'm going to give them both sides, and so a couple of NASCAR stars have had uh, had some rough goings uh, on the iRacing as of late. Um, Bubba Wallace uh, lost a sponsor because he rage quit in the middle of the the um, NASCAR Cup Series Invitational at Bristol. Got into a little altercation. Uh, I, I, was it Clint Boyer? Was it? I forget. But he was a little angry of how things transpired. Rage quit the race, uh, looked bad on national TV, obviously, in front of uh, millions of fans that watched that, and then he lost his sponsor. And NASCAR thought for sure that, 
you know, if that's the worst thing we have, you know, that'll be fine. But they then found out the hard way as uh, not during a NASCAR broadcast, mind you, uh, during an Internet stream of a race featuring uh, race car drivers of different uh, disciplines. Uh, NASCAR driver Kyle Larson, uh, who I will admit I've followed his career and been a big fan of, um, was broadcasted and recorded um, using a racial slur um, during that. Um, And he faced uh, basically he faced. PR and professional purgatory right now. And um, I told Frank when I wanted to talk about this, um, I'm not going to give you a political side of it or, or who's right or who's wrong. I'm just going to give you the facts. Um, I like to do a little bit of like a diatribe here, you know, Um, a lot's going to be said about the tone of what Kyle Larson said or the context or um, what, what tone he was taking that in. Um, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't matter. Um, that word is not to be used. Um, and he and he and he got caught. I don't care if it was an act of, uh, you know, I do care. Uh, but I, if it if it was a a, a temporary lapse of uh, of thinking or stupidity, but the the end thought is he was way too comfortable using that word. Um, the debate can be squared whether Carlos deserved to lose his spot in the Cup Series to be fired by Chip Ganassi. That is enough for me to decide. I am not the judge. I am not the jury. I am not the executioner. And neither is the court of public. Well, I mean, I guess it is the court of public. But ultimately, the the, the judge, jury, and executioner of the Kyle Larson situation are the sponsors and of the team. And there's a lot of people on the other side going, oh, well, Kyle Larson, he has a freedom of speech, and he can say what he wants, and he didn't mean it that way. And it's not what that was interpreted. None of, none of that matters. He said a word that breeds hate, that breeds a time period of our history where a lot of destruction and a lot of, of hatred was, was inspired. It's not a right word to say. And I kind of, you know, if I really want to, you know, kind of put this thing in perspective, um, I, I, as soon as I heard this, I thought of that scene. And Frank, I don't know if you watched the Goodfell- movie Goodfellas. No. But there was a scene where Henry Hill played by Ray Liotta. Uh, he's in with this mafia, and one of uh, the leader of this of this group is a guy named Polly, played by Paul Servino. And you know they they make their money doing illegal things, but one of them was um, you know guns or whatever. You know, but one thing that the Polly uh, had you know a code of ethics was is that he didn't get into the hardcore drugs or the smack as he called it. He gives Henry Hill the speech after Henry Hill gives it a judge. Goes, you know, you're not doing you know you're you're not selling this you're not going to sell this junk. You're not doing this crap. You tell Jimmy, don't make me look like an idiot. Don't make me look like an, you know, as he said, quote, an effing jerk. <clears throat> Ultimately, Ray Liotta's character defies Polly and does it anyway. And he's thrown in jail. He gets bail. And in a, and in a, in a, in a plea of forgiveness, and trying to get forgiveness, he goes to Polly. And Polly, even though he should hate Henry, still cares about him and he gives him this wad of money that's in his pocket basically all he can give henry at the time and he gives him the money and says here now i have to turn my back on you i can only go off of the few times that i've met kyle larson and they've only been 20 30 second meet and greets he's treated kids well um a lot of those kids he posed for pictures to sign autographs with were of of diver you know of diverse 
have diverse backgrounds. I was there. I've seen it. It doesn't excuse what he did. Nothing excuse what he did. And if you're one of those people that want to say, well, he has freedom of speech. He has freedom to do this. I'll play devil's advocate and say that that does. If he does, then the sponsors like McDonald's, Credit One Bank, Chevrolet, a global automotive brand, they also have the freedom to say, we no longer want to do any professional business with a person who uses that word. And it is also Chip Ganassi's, you know, freedom of speech to say, you know, to when confronted by these, these, these sponsors, you know, we're not going to do business with you. We are not going to fund you millions of dollars for your race teams. If you can continue to do business with Larson is clearly his freedom of speech to say to Kyle Larson. Yeah. Thank you for everything you've done. Now I have to turn my back on you because that's what's happened. And don't get me and don't get it twisted. Kyle Larson's a young guy. America loves the re- the rebound story. He will be back at some point. I know Frank I Racing suspended Kyle Larson. World of Outlaws has suspended Kyle Larson. Although he will be back this weekend, I do believe World of Outlaws has allowed. They they recommend that he do some sort of sensitivity training. Um, I believe I don't know what their curriculum or criteria was, but apparently he met it. He will be racing this weekend, so it'll be a big deal. Um, it won't be on any kind of broadcast TV, but it'll be on a a, pay, a pay-per-view thing. It'll be interesting what his reaction is when he's on the track. Obviously, there's a, a, a Rural Belt fans there. He'll probably have a positive uh, a reaction there, but um, just just obviously a, 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 a black eye for NASCAR who's done everything they can to try to get away from that old Southern, um, you know, the, the Southern kind of stigma of it only being for the South and that, you know, that rebel flag kind of stigma, but I just wanted to make that known that, you know, <clears throat> it's it's a sad part there, but um yeah, I mean there's no room for that. Um just and a lot of people I know I know a lot of the people have really gone next level and tried to say that uh that I that these i racing races shouldn't be broadcasted because of something like that. Um obviously you shouldn't use the stupidity of one person to dictate how you broadcast your races. Um Bubba Wallace, Frank, he is, he's a, a racer of African-American uh, heritage, as well as Willie T. Ribs, a, a former sports car, IndyCar driver. Both have come out and said, you know, this isn't, this isn't, we don't believe this is racist. This is, this is blatant stupidity. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to Kyle, you know, it is, you know, but I, my, my, I guess I, I'm not worded this as well as I wanted to word it, Frank, but I think the thing is, if you feel if you feel any kind of hate or resentment towards Larson, you're more than welcome to do so because, it, uh, you know, Frank, none of us are, are African American. We don't know what that's like to be called that word. Mm-hmm. So if they want if they want to do that, if they want to take solace in the fact that Kyle lost his job, you know, his professional racing career so far, then they're welcome to do that. Um, but it just uh, like I said, Kyle will he'll be back at some point. Um, America. Whether right or wrong does give people a second chance. Um, the same instance I had with Hulk Hogan a couple years ago. Um, he took sensitivity training. He was welcome back. Uh, not endorsing Kyle Larson's behavior. Not at all. Um, but it's just a bad thing. And like I said, um, <clears throat> uh, just an unfortunate situation. Uh, Jason Whitlock was on um, the NASCAR racing show. And, you know, 
he uh, he echoed Bubba and uh, Willie T. Ribs's uh, sentiments that you know obviously wasn't probably meant to be a, a hate hate descriptive tone, but Kyle Larson will have to pay uh, a professional and and social and public purgatory. He will he will not be in NASCAR probably the rest of this year. He was slated to be a free agent uh, with tons of offers at his feet. Um, he's no longer going to get that, Frank. Um, he was fired by Chip Ganassi. Matt Kenseth came out of retirement, which I have that number 42 with sponsors in tow. Um, the jury is out on what will lie ahead for Kyle Larson. Again, I'm not the person who makes that decision, but um, just um, – just, I don't know, don't know how to wrap that up, Frank. <laughs> say something positive to react, but well, I, just, I, I just felt like it was it was something that I needed to say to the fans because, you know, if I'm going to put these kind of things in a positive light, I have to be both sides of the coin here and talk about the moon, um, the bad side, so. Yeah, you did a great job, Bronson, at uh, <laughs> detailing that whole story, and it is unfortunate, and I'll just say that uh, I, I root for the kid to get a second chance. You mentioned we are a you know, kind of a society of second chances. There have been other athletes and, and others. And if you don't want them to have a second chance, that's fine too. That's but... fine too. I, I personally, I, there's other athletes, other celebrities that have had this stuff happen um, th- that have been given second chances. I know Josh Hader, the pitcher of the Brewers, had something like that, did the sensitivity training, you know, everything like that that they that they ask you to do. And I, I hope that he, um, it, like you said, stupidity more than racism. It's a word you shouldn't say. Um, he was more stupid and unaware of what he was doing than I believe that it was a hateful, you know, race-related statement. Um, but he'll have to pay the price, which he probably knows. And um, hopefully down the road, I, we can see him drive again. Um, I don't know what sponsors are going to do and all that, but uh, yeah, I, um, I, I hope uh, they get plan- a second chance. Not to Frank, but uh, a couple of the local sponsors who sponsor his race team, the World of Outlaws, Plan B Diecast, they sell diecast cars, and Finley Farms, uh, I guess a neighborhood dairy uh, company and that uh, local area dairy company. They have stood by Kyle and supported him. And of course they can because they're more of a local business. Yeah. They won't face far much the, the backlash that uh, a McDonald's or a Credit One Bank or mm-hmm. a Monster Energy or, or things like that will face. But I'm kind of with you, Frank. I mean, I, I'm a Kyle Larson fan. Um, I'm not a fan of what he said. I don't support anything with that. Uh, it was a kid being stupid, um, and quite frankly, he deserves he deserves what his his lapse of judgment, his lapse of of, of focus, or or just ignorance of of of, of his language uh, is due to him. Um, I'm still going to support him, but I don't have to I don't have to like or support uh, this situation. So, exactly. Uh, exactly. Well, mine, Bronson, uh, is going to be a little less serious, but I really didn't have a rant topic till about 10 minutes before the show. I kind yeah. of forgot. I forgot about this segment, but there's been one thing that's been on my mind. I've been seeing a lot of since we've had the pandemic and there's not a lot of sports news. Um, I think it's TSN has been putting out their potential 2022 uh, Olympic hockey rosters. And this, of course, is based on the fact that NHL players will return. Um, they, they took the 2018 games in Pyeongchang, uh, South Korea off. They couldn't get it negotiated with the owners in the NHLPA and the IIHF. Uh, those three, uh, really the, the four governing bodies that need to come to some type of agreement are the owners, the NHLPA, the NHL, and the IIHF. 
and they couldn't come to an agreement in 18 and we missed out on seeing some of the best hockey that you can see um we have what we now call the world cup of hockey which is kind of a the world cup in 96 brought us um some great drama with the u.s beating canada um and in 87 when it was called the canada cup um we saw gretzky and lemieux on the same line for the only time ever uh so international hockey is something that I love. I always on on the video game. I always they they give you the chance to play the international roster. So I always set those up and I enjoy it. Um, I loved Nagano in '98 was the first Olympics that allowed professionals to participate. And there are pros and cons. There are people on both sides of the coin that obviously we would have never had the miracle on ice in 1980. If the, if professionals were allowed then, but the Russian Red Army team was was a team of professionals for Russia, so they were kind of cheating. And our upstart young Americans were able to create the one of the greatest upsets of all time. Um, but I'm okay with it having, and I I'm a proponent of it having the professional athletes now. We love the basketball where we have the dream team, and the redeem team, and Kobe and uh, rest in peace Kobe Bryant and. Um, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade on these teams that dominate. Um, but hockey wise, I hope to see that. I hope to see players return for 2022. Now the only downside is, and I didn't know this until I researched it. The games are in Beijing, China. So with relations with the U S and China right now, um, not looking good. I'm not sure if an American sports league is going to give the okay to send their athletes over there. Um, it's going to, we'll see what the world climate's like in two years. If the pandemic is hopefully over and relations with China are not very tense, um, we might, we might possibly send our athletes over there, but, uh, looking at some of the rosters TSN put out, um, to see Crosby and McDavid potentially on the same team on the same line, you know, the, 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 the the new next one McDavid is the new guy to take over the league. Could he play on a line with Crosby? Would you have Crosby be on that Nova? What is it? The uh, the Nova Scotia line with McKinnon and uh, Marchand, um, things like that. So just it, we saw the World Cup in 2016 gave us great hockey, but Bronson and I talked about it off air. It had NHL rules. It had the rink size, the smaller rink size. Uh, it kind of felt a little bit produced. Um, the international game is just so different. When you're playing for Olympic gold, it's there's more pride there. It's There's more history there. You see the best hockey. We saw TJ Oshie in the shootout in 14. We saw the amazing 2010 golden goal by Crosby breaking the hearts of the Americans, which I just rewatched on classic TV uh, the other day. Um, I hope we get a chance. It might be Sid's last, last go. He'll be... I can't do the math. He'll be 35. So in 26, he'll be 39. Um, it might be his last chance at putting on the Canadian sweater in the Olympics. Um, Malkin's last chance to put on the Russian sweater. Um, Ovechkin and Malkin and all them guys on the Russian team would be stacked. Um, would you see Latang get a chance to finally play for Team Canada? He's always overlooked, like you said, by the Canadian media. He's always overlooked as the Norris winner. He's never picked on Team Canada. Um, will Jake Gensel most likely make Team USA? That'd be fun to root for. 
um, to see him play against Sid, maybe in a, in a medal round, you know, USA versus Canada. Um, I, I think Dumoulin could get mentioned for the USA defense. Um, so I just love seeing the teammates against each other, the stacked rosters, Sweden's good. Finland's good. The Russians, the Czechs, the Slovaks, the Germans are getting better. The Swiss are good. Um, and then obviously U S Canada and yeah. Russia. So I, I just really hope they go. I hope they work it out. I hope all those factors come together and they can get NHL participation, figure it out, shut down the season for two weeks. Don't have an all-star game, something like that. Um, and you get to have these NHL players play in the Olympics. Yeah, Beijing, I mean, China. Having it in Beijing is going to be a wrinkle to get over. I wish it was in somewhere like France or uh, Germany or the U.S. Um, to make it a little easier. But um, we're, we're, we'll cross our fingers. That decision's um, a year or so away. Um, they don't have to figure it out now. I know they're talking and negotiating, but... My my little two cents for tonight is going to be that like let's let's green light uh, NHL players uh, to go back to the Olympics. And that that wraps up my thought. Yeah, Frank, I I agree with all of that. And you were talking about you were talking about Team Canada. I was just thinking about the Team USA. You're going to have Patrick Kane, Austin Matthews, Jack um, Eichel, Jack Eichel, Dylan Larkin, um, just Jack, so Hughes, Quint, Jack Quinn Hughes, Quinn Hughes. Quint, yeah, uh, is, is Clayton, Clayton Keller, is he American? Clayton Keller, yeah. Will you put a, an older Phil Kessel on the team? Who's yeah, the goalie? Oh is it Lord. John Gibson from Pittsburgh in net? Well, that'd be Connor Hellebuck. Hellebuck, yeah. Yeah, they would both make the squad. Uh, I think the U.S. would be one of the favorites. They just came out with the world rankings. The U.S. fell to sixth behind Russia, Canada, Finland, Sweden. And the U.S. The still has that. They're, 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 their grassroots program, USA Hockey, which has been insane, too. You, know, you, got yeah. the, like, you know, you got a couple of, you know, you got the, the Caulfield kid and uh-huh. Spencer, uh, Spencer Knight, the goaltender there. Oh, I mean, yeah. He's years away, obviously, but still, uh-huh. I mean, it's insane. But no, Frank, you're right. I've always, I've always liked the Olympics more because, it, you know, they said the pride of playing for a gold medal. Yeah, yeah the World Cup of Hockey is special too, but it's something governed by the NHL. Yeah. Uh, so, and the Olympics are more on a national stage. I remember, I remember seeing, uh, you know, what you know, people I know who never watch hockey, especially a lot of them being a female, never watching hockey in their lives, and instantly falling in love with this guy T.J. Oshie because he he beat the Russians. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, it's like it's cool to see a guy like T.J. Oshie get that kind of recognition. So that's it. Um, that's about it, man. We went we went quite a bit. We did so much for us <laughs> trying to get a short so show. So much in. for it. We, I, I mean, wanted to do an hour. We went two hours. <laughs> it's so late. <laughs> but, but since we covered so much here, I'm sure next show won't be nearly as long though. But I do want to again thank uh, Nico and Justin and Next Level Nerd for for allowing us on their on their airwaves and on their putting their name on our podcast and uh, tune into their pod their podcast uh, the Next Level Nerd the Movie Podcast. Hopefully they'll let me on. Um, <laughs> one thing I forgot to tell Frank that I was doing during this was uh, I was watching that thing you do because they did a COVID benefit for. The guy who wrote the theme to the song, Adam Schlesinger, the the Fountains of Wayne lead singer that passed away due to COVID. Uh, so if they want to talk about that thing you do or any of these other movies, let me on there. But um, thanks to them. Thanks to um, Katie, Frank's wife. I can say her name now. I'm clear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For editing and producing the show. 
and just making sense of our gibberish that we put on these airwaves. So thank you, Katie, to that. And thank you to those who listen and continue to listen. And as Frank said earlier, at, at NLN uh, Sportscast on Twitter, Next Level Nerd Sportscast at gmo.com, um, uh, the Next Level Nerd Facebook page, or always to get at us. Tell us what you think. I'm sure some of our opinions will spark some controversy. Hopefully the good kind, hopefully it gets people talking. Yep. Um, that's all I have for Frank Conti and Bronson Allman. Take care. Be safe. Again, all of the, all of the people on the front lines battling this virus, our hearts are with you. Um, and until next time, take it easy. See you guys later. Hockey, throw me the baseball. Now toss me the pigskin. Now feed me the rock. Now give me the rock.